0: Welcome to a special edition of the Great American Collectibles Show, broadcasting from the National Sports Collectors Convention in Atlantic City. This week's special show is brought to you by PSA and Heritage Auctions. Now, coming to you from the Berkus Stage, here's Tom, Rico, JM, and special guest host, Derek Grady. Uh,
1: no, that's fine. All right, we're ready to go. Hi, my name is Tom Zappola with my two great co hosts. John Mallory and Red Sox Hall of Famer Rico Petricelli For you, Boston fans, I think everybody knows who Rico is. Uh, Five time All Star. Derek Grady here from Heritage Auctions is going to be joining us, but he's. There he is. Oh, he's always late. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: name of the show is The Great American Collectibles Show. Uh, this show is a special two hour show that will be broadcast next Wednesday night. On uh, just about every platform, we're on the WCAP up in the Boston area, Facebook Live, iHeart Radio, YouTube, Alexa what else? Spotify just read the sign.: Yeah, there. read the Andor. sign Read the sign. Uh, and this show is, is being sponsored by our good friends here at the National Sports Collectors Convention, PSA and our good friends at Heritage Auctions. Derek, welcome, welcome. I brought some
3: wax boxes so we can throw out. <laughs> all right, we have all wax.
1: kinds of giveaways, and you have to speak up. We've got all kinds of giveaways. We've got some great guests, and we're going to open it up right now. Uh, we've got a bunch of guests coming in over the next two hours. But we are real honored first to, we've asked two gentlemen to come up. Number one, the director of this event, the man that is... Probably most responsible for this putting this together, John Brogy, Executive Director of the National Sports Collectors Convention. John, welcome.
4: I'm the Executive Director. If you're having a good time. If you're not, I know where the complaint department might <laughs> can, be. Can we crank them up a little bit? Gotta yeah, you got to crank that
1: up a little bit, John. John, say that again.
4: I said, I'm the director, if you're having a great time, if you're not having a great time, we'll continue someplace that you can make your complaint. That's so. right. <laughs> all right, John, I, in a nutshell, I mean, are you happy with the turnout? Uh, we're ecstatic about the turnout. Uh, you know, I, I've told you on the show a couple of times in the past several months that uh, our ticket sales were, were well ahead of what last year in Chicago was. And last year in Chicago was a big monster as we all came out of the COVID situation. Um, The number of people who just wanted to be involved in the show was crazy. Um, We've exceeded that this year. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we got all the people into this building in in the time frame we did. My staff did one heck of a job in, in making sure that people who were walking all around found where they needed to be to be able to get into the show on time. I want to say one thing, Tom. The tickets we've sold, we do a survey. If you buy your ticket online, 55% Fifty-five percent of you in here are at your first national. That's ever. a good sign. And we expect you That's to come back cool. every year. Very, now. very cool. Yep.
1: Very yep. cool. John, you know, we were talking. Rico and I and John were talking this morning, Rick, about the. Uh, it's talk about a change in in technology. Yeah. Uh, his, his mic is off. Rico's mic is off.
5: Is this one on here? <laughs> that was on purpose we did talk, that talk again again hello you? but the logistics of a show like this John I, I mean look at the, the amount of people here the amount of vendors here can mind. you put into words the work that goes no, into no. putting something like this together my
4: friend I don't think I can uh, I know I, I can I know. try um, when we walk in here on um, Sunday mind. morning Dead. and we are here on Sunday and I was here on Friday to make sure that we began to get everything right This whole building is empty. There is zero things in this building. In a period of two and a half days, we brought in 590 some dealer booths, 65 to 70 corporate booths. The Stage, PSA, all the other grading companies. To be able to do that in a period of less than three days uh, is amazing to me. Uh, there are so many moving parts, and again, I'm, I need to thank our staff for making it happen. They, they walk in here on, on Sunday and just take over. They know exactly what to do, where to be, and uh, I, I just sit there and put out any fires that we have, and thank goodness we haven't had that many this year.
1: Well, John, first, thank you so much uh, for putting this thing together. As, as we were talking about earlier before we were trying to fool around with Rico's mic, the technology. And Derek, you can attest to this. The technology has changed dramatically over the last several years with the boots and how they're set up. It's just it's like, you know, it's just amazing as opposed to 10, 10 12 years ago.
4: It, it well you're is, still uh, in I the mean, stone every, age. Everybody stone. now relies upon the internet for a variety of things yeah. to make a sale, to check prices, you know, to look to see what's available and all of that stuff comes together at the National. Our Case Break Pavilion over here, these guys are broadcasting live to most of the world right now and they're doing breaks up until midnight each evening. Um, technology is so important anymore. It's I think what has allowed our industry to grow. When when we were within the pandemic, people weren't getting out to shows. so. What they wound up doing was jumping online and connecting to the sports cards, sports collectibles industry through an online venue. But you know what? Nothing beats seeing it in person like you guys are doing it here. John,
1: thank you so much. We appreciate you coming in. And by the way, John brought a guest with him that we're going to chat. I'm, I'm personally very excited about this because. Uh, I had BC tickets for twenty years, season tickets, and, <laughs> and Rutgers University used to come in to Boston College, and we used to kick the hell out of them on a regular basis. What? <laughs> I mean, easy on my school, all right, that's man. Right. All right. But anyway, <laughs> we are real pleased to have uh, Marco Battaglia, uh, All-American football player from Rutgers University, uh, actually nineteen ninety-five Big East. Offensive player of the year. A nice seven year eight year career in the NFL. Marco, welcome. How about a nice hand for Marco Battaglia? And a New York City boy
6: too. Yes I am. Yeah. And 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 a Yankee fan. And We we
1: don't have to go down that (laughs) road. Sorry, Rico. Rico, you know. (laughs) He has to go down that
7: road. Uh, Marco. I'll uh, tell you something about the Yankee fans (laughs) now. Uh, I just want to say to all you Yankee fans out there, you know the rivals, Red Sox-Yankee rivals. Great rivalry. Even the years when I played. And I notice here at the show there's a lot of people yankee fans with the hats with the shirts like our friend over there but let me just say one thing nobody with the red sox because the red sox stink this year but the the yankees this is the first time i've seen this many yankee member beer, uh, clothing on in the last, what, four years, they finally got a good team. <laughs> and I, not for anything. I didn't see, the last show I was at, I did not see any Yankee stuff being worn. So you're all front runners just like
8: wow. the Sox
7: too. He wants to fight again. This
5: is guy right. no, 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 no. Hey, and this is I a guy
8: that's
6: from fight. Brooklyn. Right. Front, that's right. Front, <laughs> did, did you expect
8: anything less? He's, <laughs> He's
6: from He's Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The yeah. last Look at the Yankee fans leaving. <laughs> look, look. Marco, the last time
1: uh, the last time uh, no, Rico There's got into back. a jam with the Yankees, oh. he had Joe Pepitone's toupee in his
3: hand. He did. <laughs> okay, we're going to throw out some packs because and some they're story. trying to We steal got to talk a little there. bit of football. We'll talk some time football. because
5: we talk, We were talking before we went on the air you played tight end okay which has now become a very different position probably even from when you played which wasn't that long ago absolutely it's become a much more offensive position i don't think blocking is as stressed although a guy like gronk could do both yep so i want you to talk about the tight end position how it's changed because you still watch the game and then the game itself the rules what players can and can't do you have
6: a great perspective on this well what the scouts are looking for now is somebody that can get in and out of cuts get down the field um not necessarily play with their hand in the ground. Yeah. Right? Because years ago you would get you you would you would find it difficult to get release from a linebacker or a, a defensive end. Nowadays, you can't even touch these guys. I know. 5 yards they're down the field, they're in their routes. so they're looking for more of a athletic um, runner jumper Rather than a big, bruising, maybe undersized offensive lineman where, hey, we'll put his his hand in the ground and he'll block the power or he'll block the edge rusher. It's much different now. It's what they look for is much different. When I came out, I would probably fit into today's game a lot better than I did back in the 90s and the 2000s just because I was more of a pass skilled type of a guy. Right. Um, So, listen, life is timing. I know. Timing is life. (laughs) The salaries these guys are getting now. Right. I mean, we talk about it. Rico's going to say the same thing. Like, as athletics and sports progresses... It's, it's just the generation prior to the current generation has always got a couple of complaints.
5: And you played most of your career with the Bengals. I did. That's also not fair because the Bengals are really good now. They are. You they played are. on some tough times in Cincy.
6: I did, and it was funny because this year when they went out to the Super Bowl, I said to myself, I said, you know, they really don't connect and reach it back at the alumni. So I actually reached out this year, and I said, hey, guys, I know you're going to Super Bowl. What do you have for the alumni? And they actually put together a beautiful experience well, for nice. us. That's nice. So we all, a bunch of the guys, not all of the guys, all of the guys are still gr- disgruntled. But we would go back, we went back, and we had a great time in L.A. They had some
5: great players there. They couldn't put the team part together, but there was some great, play- including oh, had great, great players, including yourself, over those years. I played with
6: some great, great players. Yeah, unbelievable yeah. players. Marco, yeah. what are you doing now? So I'm the senior advisor for the president of uh, Rutgers University. I've been back at my alma mater eight years now, fundraising, developing um, the athletic program. And uh, that's how myself and Mr. Brogy, John Brogy, know each other. We're both alumni. And, uh, you know, I'm here because, obviously, this is one of my dearest friends, and uh, whatever he asks me to do, I do. You Rutgers
1: guys, you stick
5: together.
6: We stick together.
1: Well, listen, listen. I want to thank both of you for coming, Marco. We got to get you to Boston. If you're in Boston, <clears throat> you're going to come on.
5: Got I'll to see you in. Labor
6: Day. We're playing BC.
2: BC. Oh, geez. Listen,
5: listen, man. The other thing is, you know what? September. A few years later, you
6: might have played for the Pats because Belichick loves Rutgers guys. Oh yeah, loves the Rutgers right. guys <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my Pats story because I kicked myself in the butt. But it was down my free agent year. I'll tell it. I'll say it quick. It was between Belichick and John Gruden in Tampa, and I chose w- wrong. <laughs> Great. Thanks, guys. You're Thank a class you. act, Thank man. Good much. to meet you. <laughs> Thank you very much.
2: All right.
1: We got a lot of giveaways out today. A little noisy over there. Wow. Uh, we've got some giveaways. Uh, we've got some trivia questions. We have uh, a few people are going to come in. We have a special presentation for Rico uh, in a few minutes that we're really excited about.
7: And yeah, new no defibrillator.
1: But first of all, let's talk to Derek, because Heritage Auctions basically has been the story of this convention. Derek, tell us about the card. The, uh, the 1952 mantle? No, the 1952 <laughs> mantle. <laughs> okay, that
2: one.
3: <laughs> you know, it's uh, really... The highlight of my career was taking this card on consignment from somebody that bought it from Mr. Min in 1991 and kept it under, you know, really in his memorabilia room in a card saver and didn't want to get it graded. And I showed up and told him, we need to get this graded. And it came back uh, SGC 9.5, which truly rivals any of the 10s that are out there, and it's better than any of the 9s in PSA or SGC holders. So we have it right now on display at our booth. You can take a picture with it if you want. It's estimated at $10 million. I'm sure several of you out there maybe can come together and own it, fractionalize it. I certainly can't. Maybe Rico can. I know Rico certainly. Zapula has no shot. Been,
7: I know. offered ten thousand for it. I didn't yeah, even go for it. A little bit <laughs> off. <laughs> Where is part.
3: the
1: bidding <laughs> at now? Do we know?
3: So right now the bidding is at I think it was five point four million. You had the buyer's premium. You're roughly six point five million. But there's thirty days left in the sale. So we all know how at the end the sale takes off. You only have to put an initial bid in right now. So it you know it can run dry for a little bit. For the next 20 days, but then the last week it will start to pick oh, I mean, up. That's a
1: typically for an auction like that's that, that's how typically it works. when it picks
3: up. Yeah, it's how it works okay. with extended bid auctions, which most companies do. So, But we are anticipating that the record for a sports item in auction is the Diego Maradona jersey that just sold for $9.3 million. And I th- and the highest price for a card ever paid at auction was $6.6 million for a Hannes Wagner card. So we're already there. We're going to pass Hannes probably by the end of the day. Then we got to beat the uh, Diego Maradona jersey. And we'll do that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Rico, you saw that card. I saw it. Yeah. Mickey
7: Mantle was my uh, hero as a kid growing up in Brooklyn. And uh, I had a 1952 card. Of course, the industry wasn't born yet. And uh, so we used to throw it up against the wall with the other kids. You know, whoever was closest win. put them in the spokes of a, a bike, you know, and uh, it was all. And then my mother threw them out. Your mother I had everybody else's her mother. Mouth, you know what I mean? Can you get a copy of the book? Uh, I do have a question
1: for Rico because Look, you, go ahead. you said that uh, Mickey Mantle, you've told this story on the, on the air before and on the, on the show. You said Mickey Mantle was your idol. No, he was. My, I,
7: I didn't say that. What'd I say, say? Uh, what, I didn't say idol. I said Mickey Mantle was my favorite player. Okay, he was your favorite. I idols,
1: play- right? Well, he was your favorite player. Well, yes. Point being is, you finally got to play against him. Yeah, as well, a rookie. That's right. And why don't you tell us about, you know, what did it feel like to be up at the
7: plate? Your favorite ball was on first base, and what happened? Oh, I thought that was the longest question I ever heard. Go ahead. No, but, uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I was at first base, and so uh, Mickey Mantle, my, my hero on, two guys were my heroes, Mickey Mantle and Hank Aaron. Yeah. Mr. Clark, Hank Aaron was, I, I, I could tell you stuff with him, he's the greatest. Anyway, Mickey Oh, as a kid, so um, I take a lead at first base. I probably walked, uh, and uh, I'm saying to myself, "Geez, should I say hello to Mickey? You know what I mean? And so ball one, I come back to the base, and uh, same thing. You know, it said, uh, oh, geez, I, should I? Should I? I said, I might not get a chance if the batter hits the ball. And so I finally, I came back. It was two balls, no strike. I come back. And then I hear, hey, Rico, how are you doing? Oh, I said, hi, Mick, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a thrill it was. Rico, him, Rico. So. I was very fortunate to play against him and Mantle, uh, him and uh, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, you name them. And uh, they were just great. They were as great as, you, as they are talked about. So
5: great. R- Rico, now a great teammate of yours, Rico. Yeah. Dick Raditz, great pitcher. Yeah. He had the best I interviewed him many years ago and he has the best stat against Mickey Mantle. By the way, he's the guy Mickey Mantle nicknamed him the monster. Oh, that's and I right. interviewed Dick. Dick Raditz faced right. Mickey Mantle 63 times, struck him out 47 times, gave gave up one hit to a, a home run. That's the only hit he ever gave, ever gave up to him. And I guess he's, he Raddatz told the story. They didn't know who Raditz was. And he struck out Mickey Mantle in spring training. And Raditz was a big, big kind of scary-looking guy. guy. Right, Rico? And, yeah. And Mantle got so ticked off that Raditz struck him out. He's walking back to the dugouts, saying words I can't say here. And he's saying, that you-know-what monster, that big, ugly
1: you-know-what monster. And that's how Raditz got the nickname, the Monster. Now,
7: yeah, Raditz,
1: and that's true. For, yeah. for you collectors out there... Um, to give you an example of how little players knew back there what the value of uh, collectibles were, right. Mr. Petricelli, two things that he had in his hand that he gave away. Well, not gave away, just tossed. You caught the ball that Rich Rollins popped up uh, to basically clinch the 1967 pennant yeah. you caught the, you caught the final
7: out right and you, you handed the ball to Jim Lomborg and gave it to the pitcher Jim Lomborg. And what then, happened to that? Well he gave it to the owners and the owners died not because of the ball, <laughs> but because they got old, you know what I mean? That was a bad ball. yeah. <laughs> so I asked Jim Lombard would the, you hear he said they lost it and I had the ball think about this. For the Red Sox, for those of you who don't know, this was big. It <laughs> big. turned the franchise around. I had that stinking ball, right? <laughs> if I would have known, I would never give it away. Uh, all right, so let's let's take it one step right. further. How much that ball be worth now? Oh God! No, to a, to a collector from Boston. So now let's
1: direct this to Staten Island Joe Marino and New Orleans Steve Lane, two Mickey Mantle freaks that are in the audience. <laughs> Petricelli Caught the last ball hit by Mickey Mantle. Right? Caught the pop up. Best out of his career, yes. The last hit, right? Nobody knew that he was retiring. So you caught the
7: ball. What did you do with the ball? I threw it on the mound. What the heck? (laughs) We didn't know he was going to retire till next spring. So what would that ball be worth, Derek? That ball would
3: be worth. Let's ask the expert. What would that ball be worth? Because I'm going to (laughs) paint. Um, last ball hit by Mantle. Yep. Yeah. Or, or the last out made by Mantle. The last, Manso. very last out signed by Mantle and uh, Oh,
1: that would have been
5: really.
3: Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Probably, maybe can. just Mantle. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> 50 to, I mean, 50K. Really? That's 100K? all?
7: I mean, maybe well, I'm glad I, don't, I threw it in there. I don't right. know. Hey, Rico, Rico, Rico. Steve Lane want the ball? Lane,
5: Rico. Who are you
3: paying for it? With
5: all, with all these things you've thrown away, remind me not to hire you as my investment uh, guy, okay? 50000
3: There it is. All right, listen. It uh, was we,
5: an out
1: ball. It wasn't a home run ball. Exactly. Well, right, we have some giveaways, and we have some trivia questions. This first giveaway, uh, this is really a cool picture. This is a signed Rico Petricelli What is this? 1967? Yeah. Nineteen sixty-seven with the wool uniform. Wool uniform. Wool uniform autograph. And here's the trivia question. Where is it? Oh. Who Rico Petricelli had owned the American League record for most home runs hit by a shortstop in a single season, 40. He held that record for how many years? Over 30. Over 30 years. Who broke that record? First one. Nope, not Ripken, not Cal Ripken. Who broke Rico Petruccelli's single-season record for most home runs in a season
7: by a shortstop?
1: Aaron, yeah, right yeah, here. There you go, sir. You got it,
7: Alex Rodriguez. Hey, Rodriguez, you whether you a like him or not, he was a great player. You want to back cards with it? Want one of those? Alex Rodriguez. Go he's with you, Casey. All
1: right. I did see uh, our special, another special guest out here. Where's James? Is he around? Oh, there he is. Um. Since
5: 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardcode.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information.
0: For more than 30 years, Robert Edward Auctions has been the industry leader when it comes to helping you realize the most money for your baseball cards and sports memorabilia. In addition to their unparalleled reputation for honesty and integrity, they reach the largest number of bidders in the business and offer lower seller's fees, as well as generous cash advances up front on your valuable material. Contact them today at 908-226-9900. That's 908-226-9900 or at robertedwardauction.com.
9: Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices.
10: This is Brian Drent, President of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need, but for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a zero dollar deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection.
7: How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at gameusedbats.com. Um, I started when I was
11: 14 years old painting professionally, had the painting in the Baseball Hall of Fame at 15 of Reggie, Uh, actually the painting I have on display there of Ted Ted Williams and the 20 Greatest Hitters I did when I was 17 years old, Uh and that's probably one of the greatest paintings I've ever done for for Ted in the museum, and uh, before playing baseball in college was Cal Ripken Jr.'s official artist when he broke the streak. I've worked for many companies, like you were mentioning, doing the covers for PSA the last few years, Tops, Upper Deck, all these great companies, and worked with so many legendary athletes. And by the way, um, this
1: book, obviously, um, some of you know us. uh, My wife, Helen and myself, and John, uh, we write the books uh, that PSA gives out. Uh, This is our most recent book, The Diamondbacks Collection, 50 of the Greatest Sports Cards in Collecting History. Uh, It's about the, uh, we wrote the book about the collection of Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. James has some absolutely wonderful images in this book that he was gracious enough to let us use. So if you do have a copy of the book, I know PSA is giving them out, you'll see see some beautiful, beautiful images uh, of some of the great players uh, in the book. With that being said, though, um, James asked if he could make a little presentation to Mr. Petroselli.
11: Uh-oh. So from uh, one shortstop to another, I guess. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> you told me you were a second baseman. No, no.
7: A oh, presentation? Yeah.
11: How many? James.
7: This is for
10: you, Rico.
11: So this, Whoa, this right. is an original watercolor of you. And, uh wow. very honored and happy to give that to you as a
7: gift yeah very cool what do you think of that rico that's absolutely fantastic thank you so much i don't remember i don't remember being that young (laughs) holy it's been a long time that's
1: great outstanding
7: that's That's outstanding
1: congratulations
7: james let's um
5: you know whether it's a a rico petrocelli Oh, the tremendous images that you have over at your booth, whether it's a Michael Jordan, a Tom Brady. I mean, the, the best of the best, no doubt. Um, we talked about this before, about what draws you to an athlete, but you don't only immortalize these athletes. You have had you have some great stories about meeting some of these athletes. Can you share a couple with, with the folks here watching?
11: Yeah, I've been very blessed and lucky to be around these guys my whole life. Like I said, the first player I'd ever met that signed a painting of mine was Joe DiMaggio, who always you know, took to my work. Um, I think being 17 years old and, and doing the work for TED and, and being at that event and again <laughs> just building relationships with all these Hall of Famers and actually that year was the first year Jeff Bagwell won the MVP and I remember talking to him about how my stance was like that in high school just all these incredible. Were you memories. stage
5: struck it. I mean, you're 17 years old. Uh, you, I mean, Joe DiMaggio. So those are like intimidating
11: figures. You I, know? Yeah, I think when I look back, I mean, that to me it was like being around those guys Muhammad Ali Arnold Palmer Ted Williams Mantle um Probably now I'd be almost more, although I've met so many people, but I probably wasn't thinking about really, how big it was, really and now when I look back... You it, didn't know what you didn't it's all know then, right? Yeah, yeah. So that is the cool thing that, you know, a, a lot of people get to paint these guys, but for me to paint them and actually meet them in person, uh, that's, that's very special. and It's always been an honor for me. Yeah. What do you try to bring
5: out in an athlete when you paint that person? Obviously, you know, there are some images maybe that you've seen on cards, whatever, but what do you try to bring different to the uh, your interpretation of that person. Like your Peyton Manning was, uh, you know, it's, it, was, it just cuts right through to his personality, you know?
11: I think um, being a, an avid sports fan, watching a lot of sports, playing sports, I think that helps when it comes to being an artist like and, and doing that. I so, right, I, I think I'm trying to find something I mean, uh, probably that I would love, you know, and I think as I've gotten older as an artist and a painter, I've gotten better at really trying to find what I think will connect with the audience and people buy the work.
7: You know, it's interesting, uh, James, that, you know, there are the the ball players in all different sports and then there's the front office and all that. People don't realize you love sports and you have an ability, of course, not many have them like you, but they're they're artists because one of my sons is a very good artist. And uh, that's an area that they can get into, right? I mean, you know, and uh, not only possibly make a living, but to enjoy it. You know? And, yeah. And your, I, your stuff's beautiful, but... Uh. No, I think it's something that
11: you're born with, obviously, just like in anything, whether you're a great athlete, musician, artist. I think, uh, for me, it was a little more rare because I wasn't a professional artist, I mean, uh, ball player, but I was good enough to be an all-state shortstop, yeah. playing in college, and it's so... It was interesting to have that ability to paint and also be athletic but uh, you know for me it was probably like your son it was something that's in me since i was young that's all yeah. i wanted to do and obviously the combination of the love of sports yeah. and the love of art really started early for me i mean going back to probably you know 8 9 10 years old and then when wow. things started getting bigger that's when i said to myself i was always a collector <laughs> and i said well yeah. what would be cool to get signed besides you know i'm buying baseball cards back then so i I happened to pick Joe DiMaggio to go see. Oh, yeah. And then that was the first guy. So it was really all built on collecting as well. That's great. Well, James, I'll tell you, uh, your work is magnificent. Uh,
1: the, why don't you, do you know, can you know the booth number?
11: Yeah. I, I, it's, I, sometimes I can't even find my way back.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's a long I think way. It's, Yeah,
11: 1756. We're sort of behind upper deck. And we're excited for tomorrow, like you mentioned, Tom, the book. We're doing a book signing at that booth. Uh, from 10 to 12, and I'm really honored and proud to have my artwork. Uh, There's only one, some of the paintings uh, in this book, and yeah, so come check it out, ask me questions. I've got some really cool paintings out to, to showcase and show uh, from from some of the oldest uh, trading cards and the most iconic trading cards to some of the current players, so yeah, come out. I'll be here uh, through the weekend, and I always appreciate coming on. It's awesome. We Thank love having you, and
1: if you have a book from PSA, if they've already given you one, uh, Ellen, myself, uh, John, and actually Rico will be there too for a little meet and greet. We'll be more than happy to sign the book for you. We're going to be there from 10 to 12, and if you don't have one and you want to purchase one, you can also do that. So, James, I, uh, thank yeah. you so Thanks, much. James, thank you. We thank love you, James. Nice. Thank you. James Fiorentino. Uh, nice. Nice. Now listen, I think I saw Joe Orlando somewhere. Uh, Joe's supposed to be joining us. So,
7: if anybody... can I can I say something to the crowd Absolutely. here, to all the whole crowd, the whole place? Look. We do the radio show and uh, Great American uh, Sports Collectibles Show. It's on every Wednesday. It's an hour show. And uh, not so much John, myself, and, and Tom, but we have on some great people from the various auctions. And they're sponsors, or we just have them on to talk talk the industry. and. Nice. When you get a chance, tune in, tune into it. Right? Really, you you learn a lot of stuff. Derek, right here next to me from Heritage, he's uh, he he really is an expert on. In, uh, I tell you what, is it, uh, right. Grady is he is the he really is the epitome of Be the
3: careful.
1: Expert. He's a pain in the neck, but. He really is an expert, there's no, no but doubt. but
3: re-
7: really, tune in. Uh, Tom, once you, uh, when, before the show's over, let people know how they can get to the show. Get on. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, really, we've got some uh, great we, guests. We,
1: we've been very fortunate, the show. This is our sixth year on the air. And uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Myself, Rico, and John alternate weeks. Uh, I'm just, uh, you're stuck with me every week. And as I said, we're on many, many different platforms, but our big platforms are the PSA Facebook page, um, the Sports Collectors Daily space, Facebook page, and you know all the different platforms: YouTube, iHeartRadio Radio, uh, all of those. So, if you join us for on every Wednesday night from 6:30 to 7:30 Eastern Time, what are you talking about? The show? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I've been on that. You have. <laughs> all right. Listen, uh, Joe Orlando's going to be. Joe's hey, going I did mention you. Joe's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes, but I want to talk to Derek. You know, Let's do it. one of the big topics
7: seven year old man
1: <laughs> one of the big topics on the show is what's happening to the hobby. And we always you know, we go back and forth, vintage versus modern and it's just amazing as to what's happened with the modern and ultra modern card market. Rico is a very big proponent of the modern and ultra modern market. Yeah, Why?
7: And I think it's a future, the future of the business to grow. The uh, vintage stuff is fabulous, of course. You know, it's pretty expensive, but you got all all these cards uh, that are, are affordable that you can get started, or your you, your collection can grow. Uh, but so I, I, the vintage is great. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know. Some of, the, some of the cards out now, and you know, I, I gotta be honest with you, Yankee fans, one of my favorite players is Judge. Judge has done more for baseball than the Yankees in the last few years, because he's a solid kid, and he's a pretty good hitter see I'm, I'm a vintage
3: guy i think derek what are your thoughts uh vintage is blue chip modern is i don't want to say crypto but it's close gotta be careful on these modern cards man it's feast or famine and right now i think you've seen a correction i think you've seen some of the cards go up really fast and they're starting to come down but aaron judge is tearing it up right now um you know, it's just got to be careful. You can't spend, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. Look back at some vintage cards. Look at some Mantle, some roof, some Ty Cobbs. Kyle Ripken Jr., look in the 80s. Look at Griffey. Look at some of the superstars. Don't just buy all modern and then get disappointed when it crashes. I, it I, think,
5: I think, though, guys, and I, and I think Derek can speak to this, too. I, I think they work hand in hand. And if you look out at this crowd, not only seated here, but in and around this event right here, I, I think they drive each other. And, and I really feel like a lot of the people that are into, into this because of the modern players, whether it's a Mike Trout or a Patrick Mahomes or whatever, if they get into collecting, they're going to find out about the Babe Ruths and the Mickey Mantles and the Christy Matthewsons. I really think they work hand in hand. There are some people that just focus on one or the other, but I, I agree 100% with what Rico said, is I think they drive each other in terms of keeping the hobby going. Yeah, so absolutely. from
1: a show of hands here people in this audience right here and standing back there, how many are vintage collectors pre-1980, let's say? We'll call it 70s. How many are, are vintage collectors? Wow. How many are modern collectors? See, that's interesting because that's a pretty even dynamic. Yeah. That's a pretty good. even dynamic. Good. Oh, Joe's here now.
2: Where's Joe? Where's Joe's Joe? Joe over there. With me.
1: We're going to bring Joe up in a second. He's uh, squeezing hands. All right, so that's that's a very inter- I want to get Joe's take on that, too. Yes. Uh, that's a very interesting dynamic. It's almost 50-50. It's important to the you collectors out there, isn't it? Right, right. Um, I'm not a big... I'm not a big uh, modern guy. Uh, I've been collecting vintage for a long time. Joe, do not you sit right here and we're going to ask uh, we're going to ask Joe Joe Orlando for those of you that don't know uh, Joe Orlando, Joe uh, is the past president of PSA and CEO of Collector's Universe, and a big announcement uh, was made uh, a couple of days ago. Joe is now oh God, what a, what a duel this is going to be <laughs> Joe is now an executive vice president
3: of sports. Yes. Is that, no, yes.
12: No. Is that what it's called? Something the like that. It's some
3: Derek, fancy what's, title. What's the title? Think, that's a great title. He <laughs> somehow got my title as well executive vice president of sports at Heritage Auctions. So these two
1: gentlemen are now working together. And the world is never going to be the same. Right. Yeah. <laughs> after, after three Joe's days, never I'll never same. be the same. Yeah, <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. After, after working with Grady, it's going to be, wow. Yeah. It's going to, you know, you're going to be in t- a, a straight jacket. But, Joe, um, you know, we're just talking about it. I want to hear your opinion. <clears throat> because we're talking about the modern market. We're talking about the vintage market and how things have changed in the last couple of years. <laughs> is, it, is it changing for the good? Are, are people overthinking it with the modern and ultra-modern market, or is there a nice balance? I think there's a
12: nice balance. I mean, it, it has to be good when you look at the size of the crowd <laughs> the last couple of days. That's a good thing. There's more people being introduced to the hobby every day, and so I think, it's, I think it's a nice balance. As uh, Derek was saying earlier, you know, vintage has been uh, you know, steady and solid, and good. more people are coming into vintage. And, and look, the reality with... Uh, modern is that it, you, you you watch it every day this, this is hap- it's somebody a story unfolding five, in front of bar. your eyes every day and there's there's an exciting element to that that you can't get in vintage so there's some there's pluses and minuses to both Joe, can
5: you can you speak to i mean when we talk on the show and i think everybody here is probably in the, in the same thing everybody is here because they have a passion for the games, a passion for the sports, a passion for the players. And they're taking that passion. And I think it's okay if you can turn that into something that makes a profit, something that makes you an investor. Can you talk about that sort of age-old dichotomy, if you will, between the love of the game and the investor and and what we see here You know, more than anywhere else maybe at the National?
12: Yeah. I I think um, as collectors, I think it's okay to talk about the the financial uh, side of it. They're I mean, look, we're spending money, we're, we're literally investing our money in this, so it's okay to me to talk about this side of it. I, I think that the key, and at least in my view, is that if you're doing it just for a return, I, I, I wouldn't do it. And what's really sort of ironic, and I think anybody that's been a collector, a veteran for a long time, when you buy things, items with a collector's eye, those are the things you tend to make the most money on, mind? even though you're not trying to you make money because you you're mind? looking at it through a certain lens. But when you are forcing it, you're, you're, you're trying to invest, you're trying to get a great return, oftentimes that's when you don't make money. It's, that's the irony of it. So I think when you look with a collector's eye, and you, because if you're, if you're seeing it through that lens, that means other collectors will also see it through that,
1: that I think, lens. Derek, you were saying the same thing. Enrico, no, you too... The I'm playing love, with packs the love right now. Of the item the love is is more important.
3: What? I mean, you love me rather than the investment. Oh. Yeah. It's a coming out party. Here the, we go.
1: The investment is really secondary. I mean, you have to love what you what you buying. I think that's that's key. I love you, Zap. <laughs> no, you
7: got to uh, Yeah, I mean, the people here love love collecting, love there's some excitement about it. This industry is, Joe, I tell you, I'd rather invest in cards than, than the stock market. I, I understand that the stock market's down, but I'm serious. I would rather have people invest in diamonds. They invest in other gold and stuff like that. Th- this industry is going to go nowhere but up. I I really believe that. Now, I'm older than most of you. Well, the first thing you have to do
1: is catalog your own memorabilia, which you haven't done yet.
7: That's not the point. No, the folks out there, I I don't know how they feel, but this is an exciting industry. I mean, I've been with you six years. You guys taught me a lot, not about the industry, but about other things. Uh, And uh, no, no. I really, I'm truly, I, I feel that way. I think it's,
5: I think that's a great point, and maybe we get Derek and and Joe to talk about that. Derek, this really, this is an exciting time, isn't it? This is a unique time, and I think a lot of it may be coming off of what happened during COVID, where a lot of businesses, unfortunately, you know, lost. The collecting business boomed. And now we're just kind of still playing off that. I would like both you guys to comment on that.
3: No, not an issue. I, I also want to watch Zap throw like an absolute moron, ding the cards. It's, all, the on the wrist, the it's all, all in the wrist, baby. It's all in the wrist. You're throwing them into the ground. I'm a it's professional it's grader. You're wrist. throwing the packs into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's your cards a, are ruined, when, when I was a kid, back to this idiot right here. That's you what I you did, did when I was. He's a ruining kid. the cards as he throws them.
1: I used so. to wipe out the neighborhood kids doing that. Yeah, because
3: you had a 48. Here, here's some more. Here's some Pokemon. I think they're round at least or po- Pokemon cards are round, right? So you can't damage these. There you go. Okay. So yeah, during COVID, it was, it was truly an unbelievable time for the hobby, which made no sense to me. While other businesses are suffering, somehow sports collectibles took off. I really think it had to do with The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. I think people were needed a hobby again. They're bored. And they started collecting. And the hobby has really taken off. And I think people have found their passion again. A lot of new people. I think Brogy said, what, 55%? 55%. Did you know that? That's crazy.
1: 55% of the tickets sold here are first-time attendees. That's incredible. Yeah, I can't believe that number. But I do believe them. All right, listen, we have another giveaway. Another trivia question. (laughs) Think about the question here. First one that raises the hand wins an official Great American Collectibles T-shirt and a pack of Pokemon. A Poke- a Poke- there you go. Pack of Pokemon cards, which I hate. But aside from that, <laughs> Pokemon, all right. Not Here's the Pokemon. question: <laughs> What year is the true Mickey Mantle rookie card? Fifty-seven. Run. Run. Ron, 1951. There you go. The 1951 Bowman rookie Mickey Mantle card is, in fact, the true rookie card, not the Topps 52. Now, the Topps 52 is a much nicer looking card. I I think we have to agree. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. The 51 Bowman is really the true... Do you own one of those... What? I said, do you own a 51 Bowman? Yeah, 50 uh, I wish 10, I did. 50 no, 50 50
12: I don't. I do not. I wish I did, though. I have one. My, my wife would kill me. Well, mine isn't <laughs> a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good at
1: all. Uh, what's the question? He asked it. I, I just
3: asked he it. He asked I, it. All right, Rebo. another one. We got another one here. <laughs> you Has so <laughs> the mic <you> were <laughs> fall asleep?
1: Who is the only pitcher to win three... You may be able to answer this, but you don't count. Why? Who's the only pitcher to win three Major League World Series in three different decades? Right, man. Come on up.
5: The Ooh. Orioles guy. Jim Palmer. <laughs> oh, Jim Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Good,
13: well, yeah. Wow. You love throwing weight. stuff faced Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavali and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder, Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on their tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden Auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades.
8: It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today.
9: Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, It has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest. Because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877 606 lane or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record setting prices.
7: Hi everyone, this is Rico Petroselli. If you wanna own a piece of sports history at an affordable price, take a look at the magnificent highest resolution prints of famed artist James Ferentino. Check out the link here on the screen and you'll be amazed at renderings of some of the greats like Clemente, Ruth, Brady, Jordan, and some of the greatest athletes to ever grace the sports landscape. The very affordable limited editions capture every shade of the original work. And yes, they're individually signed by James. Prices for these art gems range between $200 and $400 and will look spectacular in your office or collectibles room. Typically, a James original sells for five figures, but you can purchase one of his affordable reproductions now and cherish it forever. Go to jamesfiorentino.com forward slash store and purchase your personal work of art. James Ferrentino, in our opinion, is the greatest sports artist on the planet. He wasn't fun <laughs> to face. All right, so
1: let's talk about cards in general. The Honus Wagner card, At one point in time, was the Mona Lisa of cards. Is that not the case anymore? I'm asking both of you guys.
3: I I honestly believe so. When I was a kid, let's just say, when I started collecting, when I was nine. About the 1980 Tops cards, had a lemonade stand. Go down to the Clark's Corner Store in Johnstown, oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, i story a thousand. Times. Wait, am I going to put you to sleep here? So, looking for the Ricky Anderson rookie card, the We Are Family yeah. Willie Stargell card for all of you old enough to remember that Sister Sledge, We Are Family. You know, yeah.
5: I got all my sisters and me. There we go.
3: We got a group going here. Please don't so, do that anymore. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I kind of had to do that. I just had, I felt it in my bones. Um, I wanted a Mickey Mantle rookie card. Honus Wagner, I thought, was more for the guys that were in the 60s and 70s, older than me. I figure the, the 52 Mantle was the card I wanted when I was 18. I didn't care if I got a 1, a 2, or a 3. And I should have bought one, probably, and I didn't. And I never ever did buy one. But I feel like that is... So you would go with a 52 Mantle? I would, because I think the Wagner... Look, there's like 75 known. They're usually in awful condition... It doesn't have the great look like a, like a 52 Mantle does. I just think Mantle has surpassed Wagner as the king of cards. And you can buy... There's so many more of them. It's, there's almost one for any budget, even though I would argue that a one now might even get up to 20 grand. So it's kind of exceeding that for some people. But Joe, know. what do you think? Uh, Joe, um, This is the way I
12: would describe it, and I know you guys are going to laugh at my answer, but I think the Wagner in some ways is still the grail, the holy grail, but I think the 52 Mantle is, when you look at, just when you think of the image of that card, that is the symbol of the collecting hobby. Like, that, that's it. Like, you look at that image, and that represents not only the hobby, but it's a whole generation of people who drove the hobby to another level. So the baby boomers who grew up watching Mickey Mantle and busting open those packs in the 50s and the 60s, in the 1980s, when this industry became a real, real business—a big nationwide business—those same people that loved Mickey Mantle as as youngsters were driving the hobby to a new level. So there's something, I think, special and different about that card because of what the image represents. So that, that's how I would answer.
5: I have a question for Rico. Rico, you know, a lot of the stuff we were talking about—it's it, player-driven. We're talking about superstar players that we all love to watch emulate when we were kids, what have you. You played against, what was it? What was the number of Hall of Famers you played with or against during, in, in the book? I can answer that. Go F- ahead. 55. So, when you were playing Rico and you went up against or saw a, a Willie or some, you know Derek just mentioned him, a George Brett or Rod Carew, players like that, Dickie Allen, did you even though you were an opponent, say man, that guy's a good player or was it too much, we're going up against him
7: I can't show any admiration? No, you, ch- you, you showed... Admiration. Uh, although you wanted to beat them uh, naturally, but uh, you knew this guy had special talents. Uh, like I say, uh, <clears throat> my favorite play, two, two favorites uh, was Aaron and, and Manil, and and then of course Mays was probably the greatest. Uh, you looked at them and said, "Holy geez, you you were you were really in awe." Uh, playing against them, you watch them as a kid. Now you get to play against them, but uh, no, you no, have very much, very much respect. Rico has to leave here in about five minutes because he has a
1: signing. Like none of us can sign. You get wait, I have a signing. He signs and he gets paid for it. <laughs> oh. So he's got a signing. I don't get paid.
3: He gets paid. Okay. <laughs> Please,
7: but I do have a question. <laughs> Are you paid
1: before you leave. You, no, you
7: not here,
3: not here, Rico. When you sign it, you faced. <laughs> we did. We pay to do this. Yeah. Six
1: paid. years, I haven't gotten a raise. <laughs> you faced some great pitchers in your time. I mean, Hall of Fame pitchers, Nolan Ryan, uh, uh, uh,
7: Bob Gibson. Bob who was Who is the Who is the single toughest pitcher well, uh, you ever faced? Bob Gibson was a great athlete. Period. I mean, he had great stuff. <clears throat> Nolan Ryan threw a hundred. They didn't have the, uh, early on, they didn't have the, the guns like they do now. He threw, you know, 99, 100, almost every single pitch. Plus, he was a little wild. And he had a curveball that he'd throw at you. And, you know, you went down because you thought it was a fastball. And he'd come over the plate and you, you know, look like a jerk, and strike three. <clears throat> So guys like that, Palmer, Palmer's another guy, high 90s. He he liked to pitch up and in. And well, my era was the where they weren't afraid to throw inside. Many times I saw that, the stitches of the ball coming right at my eyes. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Went down. And, you know, that's when I, uh, I maybe got a base hit once in a while. So, yeah. Gibson. No, Gibson was great. Gibson, Myra Sandy Koufax in spring training. The end of spring training, when he was getting ready to start the season, he'd have his best stuff, and he so he had a his fast his breaking pitch had a whistle. He'd whistle at it, and then you whistle going back to the dugout. <laughs> so, yeah, I was. I mean, I played against them. I was really fortunate. You know, All right, we um, I swear, go ahead. We're gonna, gonna, gonna say bye to Rico yeah. first. Let's say goodbye to Rico. Rico has
1: a, a signing now. I'm not going. How do you like that? <laughs> you have to walk to the other side of the building.
7: You're gonna give me a golf?
1: Cart? No, no golf cart. You're out. Hey. Don't don't forget your painting. Anybody want some packs? Oh, he's taking. It. Oh, he's taking it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's
3: give a few away,
1: but you have to stick around. There you go. John,
3: he'll ruin them. I'm gonna hand them. Rico can't <laughs> sign
1: though. Just I, he can't sign because they won't let yeah. him. Yeah. Where
10: am I going to get this one? Yeah. All, All right. right. All the way down.
1: Yep. Joe, we heard Derek
5: kind of talk about growing up and the Pirates. We heard Rico talk about kind of his memories.
1: All right, now, go sit yeah. out. As I
5: said, this this starts with players. What players growing up brought you into this? What what made you a fan and then transformed into making
12: it your, your life's work? You know, growing up, I mean, baseball, I, I, I like a lot of different sports, but baseball was always my yeah. sport. Johnny Bench was the first, you know, major sure. sort of player that that, that I followed. And,
1: and Hold on, hold experience. on. Joe Orlando, he hoarded all of the Johnny Bench memorabilia <laughs> in existence. Yeah, and then my wife remodeled
12: the kitchen and the memorabilia disappeared. <laughs> <That's right>. So... <laughs>
5: It all goes to the house, Joe <laughs> that, <that's
12: laughs>
2: right. it all goes
5: to the house man <laughs> but you love, you're a bench guy you're like Johnny bench yeah he's a I fan. Mean, he
12: he he was one that really yeah. stood out but yeah. uh I, you know i yeah I grew up i mean derek Derek and I uh grew up at, you know we're on the same age so seven you know the seventy stars yeah. you know was, Eddie Murray
2: yeah
12: uh you know Mike Schmidt I mean all those great players so that was
5: uh, I'm a little older than you guys, but that was my era too Yaz is the guy that brought that brought me to it, you know? And then those, all those Red Sox, Carlton Fest, that was a great crew, that they had no wild card back then, so we couldn't get in the playoffs because the Yankees were always a
1: little better, or the Orioles, but that was my time, too. Yeah. All right, listen, we have another trivia question here. We're going to be, you know, just throwing out some trivia questions over the course of the next hour. Um, this is kind of an interesting one. Easy for most of you guys, but I need a quick answer. Who is the last... 30-game winner in the American League. Who is the last 30-game winner? Danny McClain. Tommy, Tommy, you already have one of those. Yeah. How about some Pokemon cards?
5: <laughs> it's Pokemon. He's not Whatever a superhero. It a it's not Pokemon. Pokemon, Pokemon. <laughs> it's like tuna Pokemon right. or something. Right. Out of
1: really. Um, why don't you guys... Uh, Joe, I know you're just coming on board with uh, Heritage, but Why don't you guys talk about, you know, besides the Mickey Mantle card that you guys have there, you have some amazing, great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Memorabilia. Why don't you talk about it? Sorry. Um, Do you know what's out there? I oh mean, yeah, I there's can, a, there's uh, a, there's a lot of nice stuff out yeah. there. do <laughs> nice I know what's out there? There's a lot of nice stuff. I'll I know mean, like so,
3: I mean, it's like amazing. Okay, so there's a lot of great game use bats, and I know Joe's collected game used bats, so I'm going to let him take that one on the game use yeah. bats. What do we have, Joe? Oh you? yeah, I, so uh, I think the the highlight of the auction
12: is. Uh, a Babe Ruth gamer that's autographed. It's not personalized, but it's an early Ruth. I think 1920, if I recall correctly. It's almost 44 ounces. <laughs> so it's considered a, it a world club. It's, 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 a, a, you know, it's a small tree, uh, as, uh, as Ruth was <laughs> known to use at that time of his career. There's a 19, this one, will, you guys will like. There's a 1955 Ted Williams All-Star Game bat that is just... Awesome. I mean, it has all of the proper player characteristics for Williams—the right, you know, stitch marks in the right area of the barrel—but just a tremendous, tremendous bat. There's a Yogi Berra All-Star bat, 1960. Camp. There's a, a mid-50s uh, campy. I think 1955. There's. There's a ton of them over there. I mean, it's base. like
5: it, it's
3: really it's like a
5: mini museum.
3: Yeah. At, yeah. at your booth, which is a nice, great size booth. And there's game worn jerseys over there. There's um, original photos, type one. There's the original photo of the Cracker Jack Ty Cobb. That's gotten tremendous interest. It's a gorgeous photo. There's the James Harrison collection. Any Steeler fans out there? We have a bunch of James Harrison jerseys. Any shoulder more bent. David Hall cards? who? No, no David Hall cards in this one, but we'll have more coming up. <laughs> um, there's autograph baseballs, Babe Ruth signed baseballs, team signed baseballs, tickets. Tickets are hot. There's some Joe Jackson key moment tickets from 1920, I'm sorry, 1919, 1915 maybe. It's it's really a great display, and it's right there in the middle of the corporate area, wherever you see all the museum-type cases. Come by, take a look. Take your picture with the, the $10 million mantle card. Likely to go for more than $10 million, but lots of people have been getting a picture with it. Take it, you know, get you know, over. We,
1: we've talked about this before. Um, per, my personal collection, and I, you have a lot to do with it, talking to you, Joe, and actually talking to you and Joe Thomasulo. I've whittled down my card collection and have started gravitating towards memorabilia, primarily signed baseballs, bats, shirts were a little too cumbersome for me, but I really am getting into the memorabilia because I think you've said it and you've said it, it's like the player's DNA is is on the item. They touched it, they used it, it's it's part of them. You know, whether it be an autograph, I mean, you know, some of my stuff is not extremely valuable, but... It's, it means a lot to me because it was touched by the player that I like. You know, I was just talking uh, about that Chief Myers ball. You know, I, I have I have my T206 Christy Matheson PSA 6. That should have been a 7, but we're not going to go down that road. Uh, I have... Hey, don't ne- talk to me. I, I can't help you. <laughs> can't help you. Ne-
2: next to that,
1: I have my... Um, Pitching in a Pinch, first edition, written by Christy Mathewson in my little case. And then next to that, I have my T206 Chief Myers PSA 6. Now, Chief Myers was Christy Mathewson's battery mate for pretty much his entire career. And then next to that, I think I have one of two it's signed baseballs by Chief Myers. Next to the Chief Myers card, and the word chief is signed in Native America. Now, it's not a re- really valuable ball, but that's type, type, the type of stuff that I'm talking about. It's the about.
3: most you're ever going to hear Chief Myers mentioned in your life, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I apologize I for mean, that. That's five <laughs>
5: times we've heard his name can, in, can I, in the can I, last can forty I, five five seconds. Ray, can it's I no. have a little support here? I mean, Thank we're you. talking about Babe Ruth and Bob Gibson, you. and you throwing in Chief Myers. Chief <laughs> Myers. <laughs> Let me my tell Chief you stuff. Myers this hat. is riveting you broadcasting. Know, you know what? <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> I got a Denny Doyle card from 1974. I could. Uh, this is why <laughs> we
3: have 18 <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you, can, Globe. you
1: can laugh, but my favorite autograph is my Stuffy McGinnis autograph. That's my favorite autograph. My Stuffy McGinnis. Okay. I'm just letting you know. That's right. great. I guess this would be called a lull. Yes right now, right, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> this is the commercial break. So, so, no, so why would they call they him stuffy? I, I don't <laughs> I, I have no that idea. Was a break. I have I have no idea. Did you you were never a T206 collector, were you?
3: I, you know what it's something I've never collected personally. No. And how about you? T Two O Six I have wanted to start that set oh, twelve times over the last twelve years. And every time I don't do it, I regret it the next year that I didn't start. Now fives are expensive, threes are expensive. So it's just like, you know what? So tell us a little bit about your collection. My collection? Okay. So because grading cards for so many years, I see them in my sleep, um, graded millions of cards. So it's hard for me to want to collect cards. I would say, but I did really take an interest in signed cards. So I have a lot of signed rookie cards a run of so my guys are Mays, Clemente and Aaron and I have every Mays card signed, every Aaron card signed, some Clemente signed, some Mickey Mantle card signed, but anyway a lot of signed rookies. And then I got into game worn jerseys so I have a, well, I have over 200 game worn jerseys. So I really like having a piece of the game there. I have some bath game used baths. That's pretty much the so, value. All right, so where do you display 200 game used jerseys? I don't. They're in <laughs> I'm one of the guys that don't display anything but it's just in my brain that I have it so I feel good about it so it's in a kind of a gun safe where I have no guns but I have memorabilia very few things on display
1: Andy Montero vice president of marketing for the team that got beat by the Celtics (laughs) Fair enough? that's good
12: Joe what about your collection? Uh, I have a much smaller collection (laughs) it's about uh, maybe 20 22 items but most of it is uh, game used bats? Although I have some display pieces, some autographs, a, f- you know, a few different types of items. But my the, the main sort of core of my collection is I've, I've put together. I'm trying to put together my all time lineup of game used bats. So uh, that's the cor- the foundation of it. But again, I have a, a few different. I have a, you know a Johnny Bench game used mitt. Um, I have a few other things. But yeah, not not a huge collection in terms of quantity, but, but things, that, things are that mean to, me. to you.
1: So let's show of hands, does anybody in this audience have a pretty decent collection of either cards or memorabilia? Ray, come up here. Come on up here. Ray Fornio. we call him Philly
3: Ray. Who collects soccer cards? I want to. I want to. I kind
1: of want to fill My out man. some of the some of the people. Andy, I want you have a hell of a collection too. We're going to talk to Andy. Come, on. F- come right up here for a second. This way.
3: Okay. <coughs> Good for you.
1: Take you your time, here. Ray. Like we have all day.
3: Yep. Yep.
12: Soccer. Might as well. Other More cards. Pokemon.
1: Thanks,
12: oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah,
3: no problem.
1: I want to get. I want to <laughs> get some of right. some. You know, some feedback from you folks out here. A few people as to what you collect and what it means to you. Ray, right over here.
3: All right. Those Ray sitting down
1: here. Hi, Ray. How
0: you doing? Ray Fonio from Philadelphia, Ray, right? Yeah, that's right. All right, So what do you collect, Ray? Uh, mostly PSA graded baseball cards for set registries. I'm a set registry addict, like the 300 Great baseball card set, post-war Rookie Hall of Fame. Um, I'm in t- dozens of set registries, so. Mainly Rookie Hall of Famer cards. Rookie Hall of Fame cards. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Do you have a favorite set? Uh, 54 tops. Okay. And you have the complete set? No, I'm just doing the Hall of Fame graded cards right now of all the Hall of Famers from that year. So it's it's, it's something that's it's, it's aesthetically pleasing. I love the look of the 54 tops, and uh, it just looks great.
1: Now, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the set you. registry... You were really, I, unless I'm wrong, you were really the conductor of that yeah. whole train
12: creating yeah. that, weren't you? I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I was one, I, one of a small team. But, yeah, we, we started that, uh, I guess it was about 2001, right around there. Um, and we followed in the footsteps, actually, of PCGS, which was the coin division at uh, Collector's Universe. They started theirs a couple of years earlier. So we kind of you know, looked at the concept that they were doing and then Especially you know the banks uh there. started it for psa but uh the rest is history i mean it's become i mean it's become I mean, it's, it's, uh, become yeah. a, it's, the a, it's like a it giant and it's it's all big yeah
8: it has
1: Annie, why don't you come on up here too again i want to talk thank you ray i appreciate it thank you i want right. i want to just kind of there's a couple of people that i know that have some pretty damn nice collections
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> since
5: 1996 brian drent and the staff at denver's mile high card company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardcode.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information.
0: For more than 30 years, Robert Edward Auctions has been the industry leader when it comes to helping you realize the most money for your baseball cards and sports memorabilia. In addition to their unparalleled reputation for honesty and integrity, they reach the largest number of bidders in the business and offer lower seller's fees, as well as generous cash advances up front on your valuable material. Contact them today at 908-226-9900. That's 908-226-9900 or at robertedwardauction.com.
9: Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices.
10: This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need, but for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a zero dollar deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to CollectInsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection.
7: How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Can we can we put a new? Okay, Andy. Uh, so we'll get Andy. Uh, I can let oh, him gonna, have he's mine. He's gonna flip it out. He's I gonna let switch him it use mine.
1: Andy, right here, and he's gonna he's gonna put a new battery in for you. Why don't you give him your mic for now?
3: We should probably take yours away, but you know. I <laughs> think <laughs> I mean, that's wait, a right, good idea. Wait, I mean, here's too. here's the dead air. Chief Myers, <laughs> Chief Myers, <laughs> everybody. You guys right. are killing me. <laughs> all right,
1: uh, Andy Montero, Andy. First of all, why don't you tell us? Uh, what your title is and who
14: you work for. Uh, that's, not, that's not important. Uh, not a big deal there. I'm a big collector. Right. And I am a big collector of PSA cards. I've been collecting PSA cards almost, uh, I would say, back 1991 when I first started. Uh, and basically, uh, what I collect is I collect Cracker Jack baseball cards. And... Uh, Cracker Jack 1915 specifically over 1914 because they were easily more easy to get uh, and they came out cleaner. You can order that set instead of just getting them from the box. Uh, they're very hard to find still. In addition to that, I collect all the autographs of the, 19, of the 176 players in the, crack, in the 1915 Cracker Jack set. And in addition to that, I collect Charles Conlon uh, original Type 1 photographs of all the Cracker Jack players as well. And all of them in PSA 9s, 8s sevens on the cards the autographs in ninths and tens and all my photos are also authenticated PSA DNA so guys what do you think about I mean and I, you talk to a
5: lot of collectors we talk to a lot of collectors we talk to guys on both ends whether it's people selling cards and signing cards or the consumer and, and I find it's it's kind of split. Some people are trying to get full sets, whether it's a, a particular year and a particular brand. Other people are going after marquee individual cards. Sets versus individual cards. What's the what's the climate like with that right now? You guys.
14: Start, Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, w- with me, I love the set registry. Yep. That, that's one of the things that got me into uh, you know, getting everything graded, everything authenticated, not only for peace of mind, but also to make sure that my collection uh, uniformly across the board all had the same brand of PSA. Uh, and basically the registry, you know, it, it's its not just collecting the Hall of Famers. Some of these autographs of the common players are very tough to find. For instance, Armando Marsans, he's a Cuban-American baseball player. Uh, he played only for a couple years for the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, in order for me to get that autograph, I wasn't able to get it in a government postcard or an index card. I had to go get his original contract. Uh, and his original contract, believe it or not, uh, the person who signed them as well was Branch Rickey. Uh, back then as well. So the, the PSA set registry uh, has allowed me, in fact, in talking to Joe uh, for many years, I, I, <laughs> I got him to do uh, the 1915 Cracker Jet Companion set. It's on the registry set. And I got it allow me to follow each and every uh, of the players. And most of these autographs, I have to find them in RAW. have to look around everywhere to look for them. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, I have them all registered on the registry. And for me, the registry is phenomenal.
3: Derek? No, I mean, that's what you... Uh, okay, it works. Um, no, I, I hear a lot of people love the registry, and that is really a way to keep track of your items. I, I can see both with... Is this working? Okay. I, I love the fact he picked a set to do, and it's a 176 card set, correct? The, the Cracker Jack says 176. 176, 194. Yes. 14 is 144. 144, yeah. yes. And so in some sets in the 60s, I think it can get... Um, overwhelming with all the commons with some of these bigger baseball sets but I think that's where doing the star cards makes a lot of sense and you can do the Hall of Fame there's just so many options in the PSA registry that you can do and I know collectors love it and you can build your own um, but you know I, I can see there's some sets I love and then I love 57 football um, 55 baseball is for me because I'm a Clemente guy the trivia question
1: this is a vintage question so i don't know if the youngsters are going to be able to answer this maybe some of the oldsters Rate. i don't want you answering because i know you know the answer to this what was eddie plank's nickname what was eddie plank's nickname don't say chief myers (laughs) killing me Come on! What was Eddie Plank's nickname besides the human rain delay? That really wasn't it. That was Mike Hargrove. Right, him too. Anybody know? (laughs) Man, no, not Chief. What he say, Chief (laughs) Myers. And the answer,
5: by the way, is not Eddie. What
1: was? was... (laughs) What was Eddie? Eddie Plank, for those of you who don't know, is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, Great pitcher. and pitched during uh, the early 1900s. He had a nickname. Do you you know anyone who played after 1940? Chief Myers. (laughs) Come on. what's anybody know? I don't know. Gettysburg Eddie. Good man. Nice. Good job. (laughs) Gettysburg Eddie Plank. Did you know
3: that? Grady. No. I would he know that. No. <laughs> How can you not know, well, I know where Gettysburg know that. is?
12: There's a Gettysburg address. I, I was going to guess Stuffy. but I, Stuffy, it just good one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be a good one. You know, I get
1: no respect. I get absolutely no no respect. Right, I want to ask you guys both a question relative to baseball cards. You know, everybody talks about the 52 tops. Everybody talks about the Cracker Jack collection, T206s. Is there an up-and-coming set that is picking up a head of steam that people should know about. It's a I'll good ask you question
3: for us. Um, oh boy! As a vintage expert, you're asking me what sets up and coming. P- even if it's a vintage set. How oh, can be a vintage set? Yeah. Oof. Um, that's a tough one. You don't have one. I-, I really an up and coming one?
1: Well, a vintage set that has not, like, for instance,
3: the Diamond Stars. I mean, Diamond Stars has never gotten a lot of love. It still hasn't. That's why I can't call it an up-and-coming. I mean, it's beautiful artwork. Um, It just doesn't have... guess who doesn't have in it? Joe? Well, I mean, I think think
12: Derek brings up a good point. I mean, it it depends on what you mean by the question. You you didn't put 33 Gaudis in that group. Oh, no, 33 Gaudis in there. But I mean... Yeah, yeah. There are there are sets, other issues like that that are all time classics that are definitely having you know their day. Um, now, some I, I'll throw out one here that that's been um, maybe overlooked a little bit recently when other sets have, have gone up in value. I can remember when I when I was growing up in the in the eighties and collecting into the uh, nineties, nineteen forty one play ball. I think was. Put on a, I mean, considered a, a greater issue then. I think it's fallen behind a little bit. It's so kind 41, of over... that's
1: black and white, right?
12: No, it's actually the it's it's, oh, the, okay, it's, it's right. the color play ball. So you have thirty nine black and white, the right. sepia tone, uh, forty, and then forty one. It was full color. And I don't think I think that that has some potential left in it. Um,
5: is is that a set that people can see here at a show like this? Is, is oh, it absolutely. Is it more rare?
12: Is it? I mean, is, I mean, okay. it's it's yeah. not easy. I mean, they're tough yeah. cards, right. but no, there are forty-one play balls on the floor. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Interesting. interesting, interesting. All right, we have another guest that we uh, we asked to come join us. Uh, Dave Steinberger is vice president of customer care.
15: Uh, customer insights and experience. I, pretty good. Not bad. 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 Not bad. I mean, not I used bad. to always get it wrong. <laughs> now at least to have Getting it properly right. Uh,
1: David's with PSA, and I got to tell you one thing that this guy does he does not hide, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I mean, I've seen uh, on the show uh, we have a lot of viewers and a lot of listeners. David will be watching the show sometime, and they'll be registering a complaint or asking for some type of information, and he's right there answering their questions, not afraid to give out his number. And, you know, everybody knows that PSA has had, you know, had a bumpy road for a while, and it kind of, things are smoothing out. So why don't you tell us some of the things that are happening, David?
15: Sure. Thanks, Tom. Hey, everybody. Um, you know, so, yeah, as Tom pointed out, I mean, the last two years have been a challenge trying to... Deal with the the massive uh, uh, demand that we received, especially in the early part of 2021. Um, we've really been um, tackling that backlog for for about a year and a half now. Um, while we continue to grow and expand and and build uh, lots of new um, components to our business, like the like the uh, collector's vault that just launched uh, here at the national. Um, so. We're focused on a lot of new things while also making sure we're tackling the backlog and, and, uh, and addressing the, the orders that have been in the building for, too, for a little too long. Now, the backlog's almost all done. Um, the 2021 backlog is, is nearly completed. All of the new orders that are being submitted now here or, or in the mail are all being processed uh, quickly and on time. Um, you know, we've grown like crazy. I, I've been with the company for two years. Uh, when I joined, we were under 500 people. We're now over 1,500. Uh, we've expanded our footprint in Southern California, tripling our, our space there. We just opened a New Jersey office, so for the first time ever, we're grading cards in some place other than, uh, than Southern California. Um, are those the Jersey guys? <laughs> those are them?
1: <laughs> the Jersey guys. Guys should be in Boston. Sorry, Dave. I no, no, no.
15: No. So I mean, it's it's all good. It's been look the the, the last year and a half or so has um, required patience from our customers. Um, uh, you know, it's been tough on our employees. It's been uh, rough on everyone, but in, in a good way. I mean, we've got a ton of demand, a ton of submissions, um, and a, a lot of orders that we needed to to process and get through. Um, and like I said, we've, we've made great strides. Uh, we've got you know more graders than we've ever had. We've got more everything than we've ever had, basically. Now,
1: and you guys have also expanded your footprint into other entities, like Card Ladder, for instance. Sure,
15: yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, just to give a little background for those who don't know, I mean, uh, PSA was a part of Collector's Universe, which, is a, which was a public company. Uh, and as a public company. You know, the company was paying out stock dividends and was was was, uh, you know was was operating really more as like a, a stable company than a hyper growth company. The market has taken off and exploded. We, we were acquired and taken private and really, once that happened, the investment in the business took off. Uh, so for the last two years we've been investing a ton in, in technology, in research and development and in acquisitions and so you know to, to uh, Tom's point, you know we acquired card ladder. Uh, Genement was a company we acquired and, and, and integrated in their technology into PSA's operations um, uh, Of course uh, you know we're a part of the collectors brand and collectors also owns uh, golden and then of course the the vault that we just announced is is kind of part of that uh, full ecosystem then of submitting cards storing cards uh, selling cards and 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 rinse and repeat sort of thing so uh, we're really trying to provide really a complete ecosystem uh, for collectors and uh, so
5: Dave can you talk about PSA here at the national I mean it's one of the big reasons a lot of people come out here yeah. with their cards I, I'm talking maybe the logistically uh workflow the crowds the lines everything like that i mean it's uh it's obviously a, a big draw for yeah. this event
15: yeah it's uh it's a huge operation i mean you guys can't see what's uh behind the wall over there but it's probably so, good those
5: walls are there yeah, right? i mean
15: yeah. you know uh <laughs> in a matter of uh 36 hours we basically built a full-scale grading operation yeah. i mean yeah. uh, um it's it's pretty incredible what's what's going on over there and and yeah i mean the 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 lines have been long, but we've been managing, and um, it's just exciting. You know, we we've all, you know, coming into this, we've all heard, um, oh, you know, market is softening and things are changing and things, you know, nothing around here looks like the market softening. I mean, things <laughs> are things are exploding. Things are there's a ton of uh, passion and maybe still some uh, irrational exuberance for all of us to get excited about, and uh, you know, it's just good times continue. So, good. thanks for
1: coming my pleasure we appreciate it and uh, again anybody if you have a question if you have a complaint (laughs) he's the guy to call (laughs) (laughs) thanks (laughs) Al my pleasure take care
5: (laughs) right, let's give out some packs but he does have an entourage and protectors out there those are his bodyguards out there so be careful (laughs) just
1: don't get it in the eye right jeez oh Whoa. It's like you're (laughs) flinging Pop Tarts at people or something. It's all in the wrist. It's all in the wrist. (laughs) (laughs) I used to wipe out, you guys don't understand. I used to wipe out the neighborhood flipping cards. See, except in Boston, we used to call it. Nice grab right there. We used to call it scalers. (laughs) We used to call it scalers. Yeah. Is that what you call it? No, I was much younger than you. <laughs> I mean, we call it the scalers flipping against the wall, uh, right? No, we
5: had running water and cars and stuff like that, so we had other things to do. Amazing, amazing.
1: All right, is there anybody else here that has a collection that you think is worth sharing with the rest of these people? Nobody. Well, let, let me ask a question, because we, we talked about this a few minutes ago. And
5: we—I I don't know if maybe this isn't the right word, like a theme, a theme collection, that you're not just out randomly connect, collecting maybe the most expensive card. Do most Do have people a have like a, a certain type of thing you collect? Raise your hand if you're collecting a certain sport, a certain set, it? a certain athlete, and other people just randomly yeah. go out. I mean, is it more based on money?
1: I mean, yeah, it's an interesting an
5: situation. Yeah. What does he got? Tonight.
1: He's coming up. Well, yeah, come here. I, no, actually, come on up here because you're, you're making a good point. Uh, this gentleman has one set and it's as as, uh, as Derek is saying and as he's saying it's kind of an oddball set. So uh, and what is your, what's your name?
6: Hey my name's Michael. Michael, so
1: yeah. what is what are you collect what is what are you working on?
6: The the nineteen sixty nine Topps Decal Edge. It's a beautiful black and white photos with the uh, very uh, unique kind of scrolling on the sides of it. Thirty three cars total. Right? Thirty three cars total, yeah. And they're all are they graded? Uh, yeah, I got them all graded. Uh, trying to get them all in the same grade, I'm being super picky about it, so I'm going PSA 5s across the board, so it's somewhat affordable See, for this me. is what I'm talking... This is yeah. like...
12: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I find that interesting. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, they're looking for this particular thing. It's a theme. It. Yeah. Is there anybody else here? Thank you very much. Is there anybody else here that has a particular collection? You, you don't have to speak if you don't want, but just raise your hand. Uh, kind of an oddball, odd... Uh, Collecting habit that you have, whether it be cards or memorabilia, you know uh, teams, th- maybe teams, particular teams or years. Ba- yeah. You know, lefty third baseman. Yes, sir. What do you have? Did, you, did he say Mets? New York Mets.
2: 16,
5: 1960 through through, through nineteen ninety. Wow. Wow. Good. And we talked earlier, Joe, about that. It has to start with the passion. Obviously, that, I'm guessing he's not a Red Sox fan. You know,
12: he's a Mets fan. That's what he likes to collect. And along the way, probably some good players along. You know? That's right. And I think you know, when we talk about set collecting, a lot of people think, oh, you mean like 52 tops or 69. Right. You, right. you can create your own set. And Absolutely. And that's what, that, what, that's what he's done. We talked earlier, Andy you know, Montero. You can make it anything you want. And that's, that's the beauty of collecting. Oh. You can make up your own theme, your own checklist, and then check them off the list as you get them.
5: And this, that gentleman that was up with us, he wants all the same number grade. Right. Yeah, you're, you have a problem. No, I'm just, no, he. <laughs> well, no, we all do. He, he's a collector. Yeah. He's, like, he's <laughs> just like he's just like We us. all do. Yeah. You know, I want to <laughs>
1: ask both Joe and Derek. I'll start with you first, Derek. You know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was an absolute no-no. To get a baseball card signed Now It seems as though Things have done A 100% about face Last week uh, On the show uh, We had a gentleman His name is Tom Ruggie 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 Ruggie, Ruggie. Uh, From Florida And he has The entire 1952 top set With the exception of five cards yeah. Signed Signed Yeah By players Question is has that, that whole philosophy
3: turned around? I mean, it is kind of cool now to get a card signed? I, I mean, I think it has because it's so popular right now. But the, there is one issue. The players know this and the agents know it. Now they're charging more for a rookie card to Good get point. it signed. Good point. But, it, no, it's still a super cool hobby and to, to get cards signed. And Tom is reaching for packs here. He's going to show us his horrible risks. And throw them. But, no, I mean, look, uh, Bill Russell started charging more for his rookie card. Um, I know that. And I'm and I. I'm pretty sure Bobby Orr charges more for his sign. rookie card. Sign. Okay. They charge more to sign it. Yeah.
5: Joe? And what do, you, what do you say? What are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, by the way, I, I think
12: Maze, too. Um, yeah, when I was when I again when the when the hobby became this huge phenomenon in the '80s, I remember going around card shows, and you could find autographed cards, and they were I don't want to say they were like toss-ins to oh, deals, they but were, you're right. It was the, the card purists in those days were like, no, you're not supposed to put an autograph on a card, yeah. but. Now it's it's as Derek has said it, it's completely changed. I mean, people realize that actually you're marrying what you described earlier, Tom, kind of that personal touch with the card, that nostalgia that we remember as kids opening packs into one item. And it's I mean, it, and and now obviously you can have them graded and slabbed. Um, they have become incredibly popular. Of course, we we talked in the past about that great Uncle Jimmy find, right. um, you know, a couple of years ago, and. I mean, all you have to do is just look at some of the prices for, for these autographed cards. Again, especially rookie cards, as Derek has pointed out. That's, that's probably been the most popular medium to collect the autographs on.
5: Can you guys, and, and Zap, you can chime in too, because you're, you're in this business in a way. Um, can you talk about trends? Things that are happening in the business, whether it's autograph cards, whether it's a move toward the contracts, the tickets, kind of these off items, not just cards, other types of memorabilia. <laughs> are there trends that people can look for maybe throughout the end of this year and then, you know, moving forward two, three, five years? That you see,
12: sure, yeah, good. Jump in. Um, I'm gonna go uh, a little bit different route instead of picking a particular you know category because virtually every category has had a nice run here in the last couple of years. It always starts with cards and then everything else seems to follow tickets, game use, jerseys, bats, photos, everything. I do think there is a trend that has developed uh, in a really meaningful way the last few years. People are buying graded items, whether it's a card, again, a game used item, but eye appeal is becoming more and more of a factor. And people are paying tremendous premiums for something like, you know, if you had, let's say we had 10 PSA 4s lined up on the table, but one of them was dead centered and had great color, absent any, you know, uh, annoying print defects that card is going to sell for not just a little bit more, way more than all of the other fours. Even though that baseline grade is the same, the ones with exceptional eye appeal are going for a lot more. And again, this is true in all of those different fields, game used, you know, type 1 photos, whatever it is, if it has that X factor, that extra level of beauty, and you kind of know it when you see it. It's not a technical grading thing. It's wow, that
1: that that looks incredible.
12: That looks awesome. Joe, those types of items are is, going. Is that
1: is that because the collector is becoming more sophisticated? 100%. That's a hundred percent.
12: That's 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 a big reason behind it. That collectors are become, becoming more savvy, sophisticated, and they're they're realizing that look, you, we're all spending money on the on these items. In some cases, a ton of money, um, and if you're going to Spend a lot of money on something, you want it to look good, right? It's it's, it's sort of intuitive, yeah. so people are willing to pay a, a little bit more and sometimes a lot more for something that has exquisite eye appeal for that
3: particular item for that issue. Derek,
12: what are your thoughts on this?
3: You know, I, I totally agree with Joe. I mean, in, so in the '80s when I was buying vintage cards, centering was important, but it is was nowhere near as important as it, as it is today. And you would buy pack-fresh cards that were off-center, came right out of packs, and they would be graded as mint by dealers, near-mint to mint. Now, it, you know, it's hard, Joe, to even get two to one centering, which technically makes an eight, but you don't see the graders always put them in eights. So they usually go to seven now. So centered cards, I've seen PSA threes on, say, a 52 manual sell for more than PSA fives. So a five that's 80-20 off-center and a PSA three that's dead-centered can outperform it. So. I've learned to collect that way, too, that eye appeal means so much more yeah, uh, than the technical grade. Yeah, from, from an aesthetic standpoint, I mean, it's a, it is a visual medium,
5: right? I mean, you, you want it to look nice. You want it to look at. When I first uh, came in with, with Zab doing the Cracker Jack book, I honestly had, I didn't know anything about the Cracker Jack collection. What struck me was that red background. Like you know, I had grown up in the 70s, 80s, 90s. The fields behind them, whatever. When I saw those, when I first saw those Cracker Jack cards with that red background, it just jumped out at me. These were great-looking cards. Yeah, I mean
12: that's why we're drawn to it. And 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 what I think Derek and I are talking about. So there's 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 eye appeal that are, that is inherent to the issue, and I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, Cracker Jacks are just awesome-looking cards. Yeah. Period. Right. It's just great. Yeah. And then you know, kind of what what I think. Derek and I are talking about is: Does the item have except, exceptional eye appeal for that particular issue? So, does it stand out ag- You know, against you know a thousand copies of the same card? Does it stand out against other bats or other photos? It's. Again, that X factor is becoming more and more meaningful, and you could see it reflected in the prices realized. Well, apparently Zap has left the
5: show, so this is (laughs) no longer the great American collectible show. This is the John Mallory show with (laughs) Joe Orlando and Derek Grady. Thank God we finally have a quality host, and the show is back to being ruined. I was just about to take this thing to another level,
13: Zap. (laughs) Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic, In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to PristineAuction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder, Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on their tradition from the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection to the famed Boston Garden Auction to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades.
8: It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners.
9: Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices.
7: Hi everyone, this is Rico Petroselli. If you want to own a piece of sports history at an affordable price, take a look at the magnificent highest resolution prints of famed artist James Ferentino. Check out the link here on the screen and you'll be amazed at renderings of some of the greats like Clemente, Ruth, Brady, Jordan and some of the greatest athletes to ever grace the sports landscape. The very affordable, limited editions capture every shade of the original work. And yes, they're individually signed by James. Prices for these art gems range between $200 and $400 and will look spectacular in your office or collectibles room. Typically, a James original sells for five figures, but you can purchase one of his affordable reproductions now and cherish it forever. Go to jamesfiorantino.com forward slash store and purchase your personal work of art. James Fiorentino, in our opinion, is the greatest sports artist on the planet.
5: Uh, Uh Did you get some big news? You have an update news. We're we're bringing in
1: another (laughs) guest who evidently has been here for a while. We didn't didn't know that. Uh, There's a new company called his, actually, his name is Josh, and if you look up there, it's WhatNot. So we're going to bring Josh up right now uh, to kind of explain, because we've seen these signs all over the place, and he's going to explain to us right now what WhatNot is all about. Josh, come on up.
16: Josh, we didn't know you were you. Oh, no. Yeah, you. Great to meet you. That's a pleasure. Sure thing. All
1: right, Josh. All right what not is what not all about
2: (laughs)
16: yeah so okay (laughs) what not is a live shopping platform dedicated to collectibles um what i like to tell people and a way to explain it is you guys are all familiar with qvc right absolutely all right so think about qvc my wife buys
1: all her dishes there
16: there there you go uh i bought garden supplies on there when i was younger so think about qvc but on your phone and instead of garden supplies, kitchen supplies, whatever it is, it's sports cards in front of you. And instead of calling to buy the card that you really like, with a click of a button, you're making your bid or you're ordering the item. 48 hours later, you get the card in the mailbox, all good to go. Everything's super easy, simple, all in one spot. Not, it's just cards? No. So we have all collectibles on the app. Sports cards, Funko Pops, sneakers. If it's something that people collect, there's a good chance it's available on whatnot.
5: So are these items from... Collectors that are out there that sign on with you? and Yeah,
16: it's all independent collectors, so any type of sports cards or sports memorabilia that you collect and have, people are on the app selling 24-7 all the time.
1: That, that is actually a very cool concept. How did it come about, Josh?
16: Yeah, so uh, the company was founded about two and a half years ago, and it was basically, the founders of the company loved Funko Pops and wanted a way to sell Funko Pops better. So they ended up creating a marketplace that they felt they would love to participate on and a community they wanted to engage in. And the idea of live shopping just kind of came along um, as the company progressed. And from that point on, it's, it's been a, a You know, ship. This is what
1: we've been talking about prior to you coming on earlier in the show, how this hobby slash industry yeah has just exploded into so many different avenues like what you're talking about.
16: 100%, I mean, everyone starts collecting and you fall in love with, Something for for whatnot, it was Funko Pops at the time, and um, you know, many of us who work on the sports team here are avid sports fans and collectors ourselves. Um, And and yeah, it's just you develop a a love for the hobby, and next thing you know, here we are with a a giant space and and, you know, really trying to give cool experiences to everyone. Pretty cool.
1: Where were you guys out of?
16: Yeah, so the company's based out of LA, but we're all fully remote. Uh, Myself, I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and lived there my whole life. Again, it's
1: amazing what's happening in the industry. Everybody's working. You know, you can have a corporate office in Timbuktu and work out of your house in uh, Dubuque, Iowa. You
5: know. So, how does the process work? I I have a card or an item. Yeah. I contact you? I yeah, send so it to you?
16: I... We, we essentially allow collectors to act as their own auctioneer. So as simple as going on your phone, you have the ability to run a live show and sell all of the products that you have and want to get rid of, or you want another passionate collector to have in their collection on your own. You go live with a click of a button and you're selling next thing you know. Wow. It's an interesting concept.
1: it's a really interesting concept.
16: Um, so you have to join yeah, so it's very simple. Download the Whatnot app, sign up. It takes roughly three to four seconds. Create an account, and you're ready to go. Start shopping immediately. Um, the, the nice thing about Whatnot is people are live all day. It's almost like coming to the national or a sports chart show that you love every single day because you're always going to see a wide variety. Whether you're a you know newcomer to the hobby and all you l- want to look at is soccer cards, or if you've been you know with baseball cards for for 40 years.
1: So your subs- your subscriptions. Are- just continuing to increase every day?
16: Yeah, the the whatnot user base is you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of passionate collectors who wow. who love the hobby that they're into, whether it's sports cards or Funko Pops, sneakers, streetwear, et cetera. So
1: People just need to download the app.
16: Yeah, just download nice and simple. Uh, something cool we're doing this weekend is the biggest sports car giveaway ever. We're giving away an entire box of 86 FLIR and 03 Chrome completely for free. Um, all you guys got to do is be here at the main stage tomorrow at 2 p.m., and we're giving away all of it.
1: Very cool, very cool.
16: Thanks for coming. Uh,
1: Absolutely. wish you the best, man. That is a
16: great concept. Thank
1: great you. Concept. I appreciate
16: the time, guys. Sorry for the, uh, the mix-up. Oh, no worries. Appreciate you guys having me on. Let's,
1: let's, let's blame David.
16: <laughs> us us bald guys gotta stick together. Hey, I can't do anything for you. You got that time. right,
1: brother. You got that right. Take care, George. Thank <laughs> you I very much. What not? Check out the app. Alright, um let's do some packs. Yeah, let's throw let's do some. some packs. packs. Who likes Pokemon? <laughs> are you right <are> you, <laughs> <laughs> see so you're being fresh. Who likes <laughs> football? This <laughs> Oh boy. Go ahead, keep going. Who likes Mac Jones? I haven't.
3: <laughs> Just asking the question. I haven't gotten to the, the Sixers back guy. Row, likes so Mac let me Jones. have people that haven't gotten a pack yet come forward. You, come forward. You, you You
9: know the Loop guys were
1: supposed to show up too. If you for, haven't gotten a pack. You can come I don't forward. know where they are. For dealer of the year. Nobody likes Pokemon. He likes Pokemon. <laughs> oh,
3: Soc- soccer fans, yeah, anybody. get it. I'm not that good. Yeah, right. you kill somebody. Soccer fans.
1: <laughs> I don't want to poke anybody
3: in the eye. Hi. She's coming. She's coming. No, no. Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon. Uh, wait here. I wait Which one do you want?
2: Are you doing a question? I am
1: all right is this like one pack it's another easy one <laughs> this is for why did official, we buy things and by the way you the, the show is being taped this is the great american collectible show uh we're on every wednesday night on a many many different <laughs> platforms <laughs> but our primary platforms are the it's psa facebook page sports collectors daily facebook page our own facebook page youtube YouTube, Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and we broadcast on... I'm just reading them off the banner. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And WCAP up in the Boston area. Alright, so this is an official Great American Collectibles t-shirt made, officially made in Bangladesh. <laughs> Ever? Is that bad? I don't think so. We ordered them. We didn't make them. Alright, here's a question. Very easy one. Old-timers will know that. This gentleman right here in the in the blue T-shirt is going to get this. I can see it. You're, you're implying that he's an old-timer. What year was the first All-Star game played? Oh. 1968? No. No. First All-Star game? Close.
5: No. Sorry? He got it.
1: 1933. 30, 30, 30, 30. Then I, can I, can I, I, I pick 39. him or what? Oh. 1933. Yeah? Who was the MVP? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just asking. Cesar yeah. Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> have, I, probably, probably Ruth. Uh, how do you know they even had him? I don't. Right? I don't. <laughs> do you have any more giveaways or are you done? I'm like, I've been to see well, Grab some friend. more t-shirts over there, will you? on the table.
5: I have a question while Derek is doing that. Joe, you can answer this, and Zap, you can too. So we're here at The National, obviously. How big, and you've worked now for a bunch of different companies in this business, how big is The National in the yearly business plan of a collectibles company? I mean, where, do, where does it rate, what does it mean? A, what a kind of, of prep goes companies? into being here
12: for a company, the many that are here right now? You know, it, it's it's the, the annual showcase. So it's not so much about the revenue generated on site. It's a, it's a chance for all of these companies to meet people face-to-face, um, develop those relationships, because, look, that's what this whole hobby is about anyway. It's the relationships that you develop, And you can do that in person, of course, here at The National. So I think it's extremely important from that perspective. Do you have to be at The National if you're in this business? I I think so. Now, not everyone is, but I absolutely believe you should be here.
1: What do you think about that, Zab? You've been a fan of it for a long time. Listen, I'm a big, big, big proponent of The National. Uh, I think it's the mecca of this hobby in this industry. I'm not sure that if you're a dealer you have to be here Uh, i'm not sure you do and the only reason being is because quite frankly there's a lot of dealers that can't afford to be here yeah you're right but with that being said i think that if you're a dealer a small dealer in some little small town in the midwest you should make every effort to get out here to visit and kind of you know get the lay of the land and no, there's some great deals here.
3: Yeah. There really are. Derek, what does the national mean to heritage? Oh, I mean, this is the show where we get to display just put on a world class display. Right. With the you know, I mean we can't do that at every show around the country. It's just not feasible to bring in, you know, four or five security guards, a museum, like if, you know, I think we have fifty display cases, you know, jewelry cases over there. And that would just be un- not doable more than a couple times a year, and take you know 20 employees out of the office. I, it, this is what we where we like to highlight our brand, and we were you know this is we want to do the national every year. We get excited to put every put everything out and meet the clients, meet the dealers. But, you know it's just a, it's a we really enjoy it, um, especially this year with you know with having such an iconic card front and center where we can you know, connect with all our clients and they take pictures with it and can bid in the auction right there if there are any questions on any of the lots. I'd love to do more shows and maybe someday... I mean, we do do them to take consignments in and we display a little bit but I love our display and being able to do this. And you know, if another show comes out, like the National, we do a couple of years someday, I'd, I'd love to do more than one. But this is, you know, Zap said, you know, not all dealers can afford it. I would disagree. If you're in this as a business, you can split a table. I know lots of guys here, mom and pop dealers even, they can split a table with somebody and put out a showcase on somebody's table. Or, you know, as Zap said, you, you come and you give out business cards and you make connections. This is where it happens.
5: Yeah, no so. doubt. And, and I think for the consumer as well, this is the place where it happens. And, and I think Derek said it, Rico kind of mentioned it earlier, too. It, it's a place where you mentioned asking questions. Someone can literally come in, Joe, and, and see the person that they maybe, the, you know, the, the company they see online or maybe they hear him on the greatest, great American collectible show. You can meet that person and ask a question.
12: Right. And I, I know we live in a different world now <laughs> where, you know, we're behind our computers and phones yep. and, and that sort of thing more. But I. At least it's in my personal, humble opinion, that nothing can replace the in-person interaction, that personal touch, and again, I mean, uh, developing those relationships, I think, is the most important thing.
1: Well, you know, you guys, you know, Heritage, you guys are really the template for the auction houses across the country when it comes to sports. How How many locations do you guys have? I mean, how many departments? How many departments
3: is there? Oh, man. I think we have roughly uh, 35 to 40 departments. I mean, the sports department is just one of,
1: you know, you've got fine art, you've got uh, coins, you've got comics,
3: wine. Really? Yeah. Can you get me a good uh, deal on Boone's Farm? On what? Boone's Farm. (laughs) Is that a wine? case of Boone's Farm apple wine. Okay. Okay, yeah, we'll just go online, ha.com, go to the wine department and go bid. I, I like the 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 block. getting wine. you, you know, anything. You know the stuff you put in your refrigerator? You can just open it up and... I doubt we sell that. We sell rare wine. Are we still doing a show? I don't know. Just the question.
2: All right, listen.
3: I, you know, I just
1: stumbled upon before Rico left. I found this... Photo of Rico. <laughs> Where'd you find it? <laughs> it was it was in my folder, and I said, "Hey, before you leave, I want you to sign this." So this is a really, really, Joe. How would you grade this? Um,
3: it's a really, uh, really terrible giveaway.
12: Yeah. <laughs> really awful. No, I, think, I think Derek just answered the question. No, I, would
5: however, just, I would grade it just above the photo booth at a, however, at a local beach. It, it is, signed, <laughs> an arcade, it is right?
1: signed. It is signed. By Red Sox Hall of Famer. It is. So I think it, it, it has some merit. And this is a boxing question. And Joe Orlando, you're out because I know you're a <laughs> boxing freak. Raging Bull, the classic 1980 movie, is about what boxer? Come get your official Rico Petrocelli. I think he was
3: drunk when he signed this. (laughs) I think it's like a. (laughs) I mean, give him a T-shirt with it too.
1: Oh, you get a T-shirt too. There you go. Washington Football Team. Commanders. Commanders now. Oh, that's good. That's good.
3: You what? Who'd you get? Let me see. You just pulled that out of the pack? The Beckham card? All right. Come around here right now. <laughs> See? Now all of a sudden, Grady wants the pack back. Right. Yeah, wait a second here. I don't and have any and, uh, witnesses. T- Tom, are actually.
12: you looking for a taste? You want your your, your taste of the action?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so uh, sit out here.
5: The kid's wow. been raising his hand for twenty minutes. No well, one's listening. now so all of a this sudden was, he's on the show. This is
1: one of the packs that Grady, <laughs> Grady is a co-host flipped, now. <laughs> right? And what's your name, young fella? I'm yep. Zane. are going to talk on the mic. I'm Zane. Zane?
16: Yes. That's a cool name. Thank you. All
1: right. All right so what did you win here?
16: um i'm not really sure with uh soccer i don't know anything about (laughs) soccer you can't
3: use your hands Uh, (laughs) it's a david beckham signed numbered 14 out of 99 noir panini noir um whatever you want to call it i mean look i know it's worth something it's a signed David Beckham card.
1: All right, so he, he pulled a signed David Beckham card. Is this the out best of of the prize we have ever gotten? Congratulations, now. Zane. Congratulations. Thank you. Zane, I'll give you three bucks for it right now.
2: <laughs> Deal? Sure. We have a holder. see if we've got a holder.
1: I think you should get a t shirt, too.
3: I think you should, should get a t shirt. And a holder. And a holder.
2: <laughs> C-
1: congratulations.
2: I, I know nothing about
1: it. Hey, Derek, it's
12: are you
3: okay. handing
1: him a uh,
12: Heritage consignment agreement? Yeah, I think that's probably what I should do. <laughs> yeah. You know, Grady just. Zane, don't, don't, don't sign
1: anything don't sign from any... Derek. <laughs> Grady <laughs> will not quit. <laughs> I don't have any
3: holders. I didn't bring a holder over here, but if you go over to the Heritage booth, we'll give it to right. you. Maybe somebody in the crowd has a holder for this young man, right a card yeah. saver. Oh, right behind me. Go. To, you, you've just grab taken one. the grab soccer card, so take the holders. You can
1: grab one of those. Congratulations, Zane.
3: Don't trip, Don. That's great. It, so this it,
5: it is a good time to, to listen ask, to the show. Or this is a good time to ask this question to, to both you guys, and that is we have a lot of young people at this show. Obviously, we have a lot of young people right here in our audience, and I'm not talking about go buy this because you'll make money on it. But generally speaking, you can talk about the, the monetary aspect of it. What advice would you, someone that's been in the business a long time, give to a young person that wants to start collecting cards or any other kind
12: of memorabilia? Well, I, I would give them the same advice that we talked about earlier, which is to to, to do what you love. Do it because you, you want to do it, not to try to ignore what we talked about earlier. Try, try to push the financial side out. Now, look, is it super exciting to to, to pull yeah. an awesome card out of a pack? <laughs> I would be excited too. So there's nothing wrong with that. But do it. See if if you if you go with your your passion. It's something you're really into. Then you'll build upon it over time and you'll stick with it. Um, and I would say try to avoid right. try to avo- avoid temporary trends and um, expand to go, that's on a that. Great, great piece of bit. And and advice. on that Things kind of come and go um, in the industry, um, and there are things that you know. Derek talked about this earlier. There are blue chip type collectibles that stand the test of time. And 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 let me just say this. Let me back up a little bit. The one thing about modern that I would just caution people about is that it's super exciting. Look, I collected modern in my in my day, right, and we all did, right. right. Modern is exciting, especially today, because you can follow all of these players, all of these teams. It's a reality show right in front of your face, right. But when you start to step up and put more money into your collection, just just understand that modern comes with a different kind of risk than vintage. Because, look, we I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but, you know, the story came out, what was it, yesterday or the day before about Mike Trout might have a... Yeah a back issue that very linger for for the rest of his career. I think
5: think Zion Williamson has become kind of the poster boy for what you're talking about too a little bit because of the injuries. Not his fault. Yeah. But he was a, a big box office, you know, cash cow, you
12: might say, for this industry and then he hasn't played. Wow. But see, here's the thing. You can collect Zion. You can collect Trout cards that are worth two three dollars you yeah. could also collect <laughs> zion and trout cards that are worth six and seven figures right. so as you put more money into this just just understand that with modern they're still on the field they could get hurt they could have off the field controversies yeah just understand that it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it just be co- you know aware of it as you build your collection That's before right. we
1: continue and i agree with you joe uh, the little gentleman zane that pulled that card the value of that card is between 500 and 800 dollars
3: it it looked like
1: <clears throat> i'm sorry nine wow 990 990 bucks that, that card was the last congratulations Zane. so
3: that's that's a real-time number uh, i tell you what i'll give you 12 but- bucks for it um <laughs> 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 uh, you
1: know you're making a good point joe and i want you to chime in on this too where Uh-oh. we no, we've talked about this. You know, you, uh, 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 John Morant. You pull a, He's he's a uh, an Achilles away from a disaster if you're investing big in his cards. Yeah. Point being, Joe is saying that. You know, there's nothing wrong with buying those cards, but you just have to be careful and don't put all of your eggs in one basket.
3: Yeah, yeah but if you were if you were gonna listen to me earlier, Tom, I think I used <laughs> that term exactly, don't put your eggs all in one basket. Diversify, definitely buy some vintage. It's it's okay to have some cool vintage cards. It's okay to have some wax boxes that you don't open. I know it's tempting. I bought I have some from the eighties. It's a good idea to have the wax boxes. So if Morant pulls something, you still got the other players in there, too. You know, like Joe alluded to, Mike Trout is having some injury issues. You know, the guy that paid $4 million for a Mike Trout card is probably not really happy right now. Um, but either way, he's still an outstanding player. Um, diversify, collect modern, collect vintage, buy some wax boxes, or just buy whatever you want. It's your money. You
1: know, we've talked about this J.M. uh Ad nauseum on the show about the way we look at investing in vintage and modern cards. We look at a vintage investment as kind of a blue chip, char- a blue chip stock. That's right. Right. We always say Babe Ruth's stats aren't changing. Babe Ruth's dead. Right. I mean, <laughs> is, there's, no, there's no new <laughs> right? cards coming. He's not out. going into a slump tomorrow. Right. right. So, so that's kind of like buying a blue chip stock and then investing in a modern or ultra modern card. Is kind of like I don't want to say a penny stock. Crypto, that can, k- crypto. That's perfect.
3: Oh, that's crypto. why I'm here.
1: Crypto.
5: Well, if- we've seen stories like this. Zap. Early, we were. I was out doing some interviews. Um, got Derek earlier and a bunch of other people. And I, we were with uh, our friend at Leland's, Mike Hefner, and they had what was and still is technically the ball Tom Brady's last touchdown pass. And then Tom Brady retired. That was his last touchdown pass until. He said, I'm tired of being at home with the wife and kids. I'm going to come back and play again. Now, they did the right thing from a business standpoint, customer service standpoint with the customer. But that's what we're talking about. Things change so much. And Joe brought up a great point about off the field stuff with athletes. We know when we were growing up, uh, we didn't really know what... The players were doing afterward, and, and this is even more so when you were growing up in the 40s, uh, when they had no nothing, no radio, no TV, just a newspaper on stone. They would chisel like the news on stone, and uh, the first radio report you ever heard was actually the invention of radio, which That's was right. interesting. <laughs> but um, Cody and
1: I were very close. Nobody
5: around. knew what the players were doing. The off-the-field stuff affects. Look, we have a bunch of guys that probably should be in the Hall of Fame that are not now because of steroids. Okay, and we know about that now because of news, social media, what have you. So it's just a different animal. Well,
1: you know something. You're bringing up a good point because you know off off the record, behind the scenes, Rico has told me stories that he took roids. No, no, Rico. Rico, you, <laughs> you know, you, Rico used to take. He used to OD on marinara sauce. That's right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> why don't we ask? Why don't we ask the crowd? Do we believe this is in all honesty? Show of hands. Do we think Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame? Sammy Sosa, who thinks they should be in the Hall of Fame? Raise your hands. Raise your hands if in. Okay. Raise your hands if many? How
1: many don't think they should be in the Hall of Fame?
3: It's pretty split. That's that's an interesting thing. It really is. I,
1: I personally, and I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. And I know you disagree with me. I don't think any of any of the three should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I think it's a real tough call
5: for me. I, I think they made horrible choices based on ego. Okay, I, I, I think that all three. You know, we're talking about those three. If we're talking about Bonds and Clemens, who's the other one we we just mentioned? Uh, McGuire. McGuire, Maguire. So, so. Not so much Maguire. Let's put Bonds and Clemens. Those guys. They, it, it makes me sad because they were both yeah, Hall. Hold of, on. They what, were both Hall of Famers before they what, did. What and, about Arod? Uh, you know, A-Rod, he, he started when he went to Texas, okay? So, I mean, it's a tough call for me. I think eventually they, well, it's tough to say now because they're off the ballot now, so it might Orlando's never happen. Orlando's
1: being real quiet but, in this um,
5: one. I, no, I just, needs to wait, I, I look back on it, and I'm wait, sad wait, wait, for wait. those guys because they were Hall of Famers before they did it.
12: Yeah. yeah. You know? This is a tough subject because, on the one hand, you know it—it it technically wasn't even illegal. That's Tec- Joe, that's a that's a huge point. You're right. But huge but point. I think the reality is, um, look, for peop- for the guys that did take it, it, it doesn't make a small difference. Um, <laughs> I think anyone who, who uh, knows athletes. Um, taking those performance-enhancing drugs. And there's a lot of different kinds, of course, but sure. it doesn't make a little difference. It makes a huge difference for some of these guys. And we saw that play out, during, especially in the 1990s. <laughs> we saw that play out with certain players. But it is, I mean, look, to me, it's like if they were the greatest of the period, I think there's a pretty good argument. Just let those guys go in. It was a, you know, maybe the maybe the era is tainted in a way, but they were the best of their era.
1: You know, JM, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question because we both grew up 20 minutes outside the city of Boston. Yeah. And Roger Clemens, at least to me, and I think to you, for the first part of his career, was a god in Boston. A fraud.
7: A god. Oh, a god.
1: Yeah. In yeah. Boston. No, no a he god. Was a yeah. God. Yes. 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 And. Before he got traded, before Dan Duquette, was it Dan Duquette that traded him, right? Before Dan Duquette traded him, he was a shell of his former self for several years. You're right. Not one year, but for several years prior to him getting traded. And I'm talking three solid years where he stunk, Yeah. right? And so Dan Duquette did what he had to do. And then all of a sudden, two years later... He's 75 pounds heavier, and he wins 434 Cy Young Awards. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, there's got to be something
2: said there.
5: I agree. And, you know, A-Rod, when he came out, he said that he did it because he went to Texas, felt the pressure of the $250 million contract, which was a big contract back then. That's why he started doing it. But it's a tough call. You know, David Ortiz was on a list. I know. For steroids. It was never actually proven, but he's beloved. And I think that has a lot to do with it, guys. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were not beloved. Correct. David Ortiz is beloved by everyone. And God bless him for being like that.
1: You know. That affects it, too. there is some. There is. There was a silver lining, though, to it, and you, I think you're going to have to agree with this. Were you there? The 1999 All-Star. Oh, that was fantastic. Was uh, the home run <laughs> derby? I, for those of you, I don't know if for those of you great. that know Boston, behind the, the the wall at Fenway Park, behind the Green Monster, is a street. It's called Lansdowne Street, and for the home run derby that night, you could not move. On Lansdowne Street, yeah. there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people yep. fighting as the balls, as Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Barnes were launching right. over the Green Monster. Right. It yep. was amazing. This <laughs> young lady
5: had a, her hand up for a question.
1: You want to ask? Sure. Oh, hand her the mic. Uh, no, that one.
2: <laughs> Thanks.
17: Okay, is it on? It is. So, um, I am a teacher, and I feel character counts, and I feel that, yes, there should be consequences for your actions, right? And all of these young kids are looking up to these athletes. So, I feel if a man's character sucks, and he's in prison, and he's done things to people and dogfighting, etc., he should be out off the field. Because I think a man's character is what defines him. A serial killer could throw a football, right, but he's an evil person. So I think character, above all, should count, and I think that's what's really lost in the modern era. I mean, I really do.
1: Are you talking about with...
17: Athletes in general.
1: Athletes in general.
17: Athletes in general across the board. Character counts, and I think their character is not always put in the spotlight. You know, and I think it should be. And um, I think they're role models first because a lot of kids look up to them. Yep. And taking drugs to do better in your high school sports is wrong. You know, and I, I think that kids need to realize that to be the better man, to be the better person. You don't do crap like that, plain and simple. And I think that has to be taught.
1: Well said. In my Thank opinion. You. Well said. Totally agree.
5: Thank you very Thank much. You. And I'll, and I'll say this: even, even at yes, even at the uh, even at the collegiate level, and at the, the combines now for all the professional sports, character is as big an issue as how high you can jump and how fast you can run. And that's because they're making huge investments in these athletes, and they don't want someone that's going to go off the deep end in a year. Gotcha. So, I agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, we have a. Few, is this it? <laughs>
5: yeah, I have
3: been handing the packs out like a madman. A couple more shirts there. Couple, we got plenty of shirts, and these don't... These don't I'll tell you stop. what. <laughs> I'll okay? tell you what we're going to do. Uh-oh. A book? We're going we're gonna to bring out the heavy artillery. <laughs> well, This is getting sold on the floor as soon you know, as we're gonna,
1: Ellen, my beautiful wife happens to be sitting in the audience, and my co-author is sitting here with me, and this is the book uh, that... Ellen and I and John uh, just recently released. Actually, the actual official book launch is tomorrow, and it's called the Diamondbacks Collection: 50 of the Greatest Cards in Sports Collecting History. And then this gentleman next to John happened to be a huge contributor to the book. So we're going to give this away. And by the way, if you want to purchase, if you're a PSA guy, you're going to get a book for nothing. Uh, They're going to give it to you for being a member. If you want to purchase it, you can get it. On our uh, website, toddzaplinmedia.com, or in the next week or two, you can get it on Amazon. And this is a book about the 50 greatest cards in a private collection owned by uh, Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ken uh, commissioned us to write the book. And if you go down to the collector booth, the 95% of the collection is on display there. On display there. So. We need to, we need a, like a, a little, we have about four minutes left. We need a nice, tough question. What do you got? Man.
5: Does it have to be Diamondbacks related? No, no. Okay. Oh, God, Joe, you want, right, you want to help out that? here? Oh, he's got one. I, he's got one. Oh, no. Let's I, a- could, I could ask a question. It might not be tough, and it is Diamondbacks related. All right, go. So on. why don't we, we'll throw this one Alan, out can there. you come up here? We want to give it away anyway. So the Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Yankees. In the 2001 World Series, correct. Who got the game-winning hit for the Diamondbacks? No, well, we, no. Uh, we had a tie. That's no, tough. See, I only have one book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, who do we? How do we break the tie? How do you only have
3: one book? You wrote the book. <laughs> I- <laughs> we wrote one book. Oh, <laughs> okay. I tell you, he what. only commissioned. He only commissioned he one
1: book. He, okay. <laughs> okay. It's a one of one. <laughs> right, so here's what we do. This man, is he's, he's deferring to him, correct? All right, so give him, you get kids, grandkids, give him four T-shirts. Okay. Now.
3: Is he, is he coming up here? here? Come on up. Okay. And you get the book.
2: And you get the book. <laughs> four T-shirts.
1: Ellen, now you have to come up. Enjoy, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was very nice of you. They
3: all jumped on. <laughs> sure. To, uh, you, want to,
18: you can speak. I love it. This is interaction. We want this. Uh, this
1: is point kind of point. We're loving it.
18: Not to uh, take the, uh, the, the, well, to take the opposite side. Bonds did the drugs. We'll say that. But you still got to hit it. You, you can inject me with steroids from now till the cows come home. And I'm not going to hit 795 home runs. I'm not. Gonna, I'm just not going to do it. You still got to hit it. I mean, one year he hit, he hit what, 63 or whatever. He hit 75, whatever. His, uh, on base for his OPS, was like 1,400. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, you can't, you still got to hit it. I mean, doing steroids does not necessarily make you stronger. Enjoy. Doing steroids gives you the ability to work out longer, and you get stronger by working out longer. The steroids themselves do nothing for you. Not that I'm, a, I'm not a Bonds fan, but you still got to hit it, and you still got to put the work in. Just, Thank you very much.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Nice kind of Thank point. you, sir. Thank All right, you. we're just Thank about you, wrapped. We've got... Uh... Enjoy. <laughs> I can't throw... I can't uh, throw tell, me that... Me throw. Here we go. One. <laughs> oh, Two. Uh, we want to take this opportunity to thank all of you for yes, joining thank us. thank you very much. We had a blast. Thank you. Remember to watch the show. Thanks to Joe uh, this and This show Jared actually too. is going to be on next Wednesday night on all the different platforms. We're on every Wednesday night at 6.30. We hope you join us. 6.30 Eastern Time. With that being said, we love you guys, and happy collecting.